Welcome to the 295th episode of The Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is a podcast about random things in a world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter and win my heart by going to patreon.com slash jmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I'm currently talking about John Byrne, Fantastic Four comics from the 80s. Um, I, I sometimes talk about movies. I talk about Stephen King's The Mist uh, recently, which I had watched for the first time. I somehow never watched it. I sometimes do off my mind comic book topics and so forth. And I'm also open to requests for what you want me to talk about. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. That's ko-fi.com slash gman from heck and for some reason when i'm doing that my left hand is like i'm doing some made up hand signals i don't know what's going on what is what i do know is going on is this week i'm gonna be talking about evil dead rise so this uh this is gonna be interesting um like many i'm not laying claim to this but i'm a huge evil dead fan i love i still remember i saw evil dead 2 first before i saw evil dead I still remember the first time seeing it on VHS way back. Oh my gosh, it like changed everything. I just, <laughs> as I get caught up in it, it's going to be interesting when I actually get around to talking about the, the new movie. Um, I got expectations and, and um, standards and uh, we'll see. So you, I'm going to leave you in suspense. Unless you you follow me on Twitter, Gman from Heck, then I, I tweeted my thoughts on a movie after I exited the theater on Thursday, last Thursday. I'm also going to talk about the series finale of Star Trek Picard. Because that's it. It's only three seasons. It's over. I'm going to talk about the season. I think it's just a season finale of The Mandalorian. Also, hopefully the season and not the series finale of School Spirits. Holy freaking crap, man. That last episode... I literally at the end had to pause it and just let out a, like a WTF. It's like, Whoa. so yeah, you hear about that. And then what? What else is there? Titans? Yeah, Titans. Titans. <laughs> Titans was a weird episode this week. So let's just get to the news. Um, it's kind of a weird news week. There was. It, it feels like there wasn't a lot of news, but there kind of was. Not a whole lot about everything. Um, so some some Marvel news. Um, what kind of breaks my heart a little bit? Scarlett Johansson said that uh, she's pretty much pretty much done with uh, Marvel. She doesn't think she's going to go back. So that that chapter is over. And you know she has good memories. You know nothing bad to say, but she's you know it's it's done. And you know she said it was she had the unique experience of being able to come back to the same character over and over. But that's it. So that that's that's a bummer because uh, I mean not only I, I just I feel like she was good because she she had like a certain amount of sass and just like her interactions with with other characters where she was she was kind of like a smart ass and she was just kind of funny but she's also like deadly serious I just just really like that in the character and I I know you could probably say well that's like all Marvel characters because everyone's funny but it wasn't quite like that anyways that that's a bummer but um who we may or may not see who's not really clear is Elizabeth Olsen. She basically, she said, you know, she doesn't have a Marvel contract. 
so she doesn't know if she's coming back or not. Uh, she she made it clear that she would like to, and and she was also pretty clear about you know it, it's not trying to she's not trying to be vague or it's not because a lot of times maybe I'm a little skeptical or whatever, but a lot of times when when you hear these things like it's like oh there's no deal yet or or negotiations oh I'd love to do it but so it it almost sounds like they're like trying to get some leverage like trying to get people like like oh you gotta gotta sign the deal you gotta give them all the money they want it's not that she's just she doesn't have a deal yet and I mean maybe it could be about negotiating the money or maybe it's just a matter of time where they haven't really sat down because the other thing also I'm sure Marvel will will sit down and talk to her at, at some point but they may not have anything planned right now for for Scarlet Witch. Yeah, we have that Agatha TV series for some reason. I'm sure it'll be fine. But I'm just like, really, of all the things, but and you know, I don't even know if it, if if they would want her in there because when when does that take place? I don't even know when that takes is going to take place. Is it a prequel? Is it after WandaVision? I don't know. But maybe right now, you know, they they have so many things in queue. You know, so many things that are, are are coming up. Maybe they don't really have anything quite planned yet. And you know, there's that vision quest, which I don't even know what what the the state of of that is. But maybe they don't want her necessarily in there right away, or they maybe you know, not that they don't want her, but they don't want the character because maybe they're trying to separate and just focus on I, I on vision. I don't know. So hopefully things will we'll see Scarlet, which again, uh, but you never know. I mean, who who knows? Uh, as going over to the other the other sort of side of Marvel, the very distant side, Venom three. Uh, it's it's reported that Juno Temple. Um, she's currently in what Ted Lasso, which I still need to need to watch that. Some point I will watch that. I I really 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 want to watch it. It's just uh, it's that that pesky time thing. But she apparently has a lead role in Venom 3. And, of course, there's no other information. No idea what, what that means. Um, just please, 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 anyone involved with Venom, with Venom 3. Tom Hardy, if you're, are you listening, Tom Hardy? Anyone listening, please don't cast her someone. Don't cast her as another friggin' symbiote. I don't want to see. I I can't even. Who who are these other symbi- symbiotes? Is there like Scream or Phage? 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 Um, I, I, I don't see. I don't even know. I'm like I have a mental block. I don't know. There's so many of these other friggin' symbiotes, and I, I'm not trying to be like like what is it? Species? Speciesist? I'm not trying to have any discrimination against this the symbiotes symbiotes <laughs> but no more i mean after we had venom and then you know he was fighting that stupid that evil doctor dude that put on the symbi had it bonded with the symbiote they fought and then we got carnage venom versus carnage it's come on man it's more than just symbiotes i'm getting angry <laughs> oh man i've only seen let there be carnage once i saw venom twice venom 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 is that how that anyways um so here's a warning it's it's like kind of late when i'm recording this right now so i might be a little like like punchy punch drunky i don't know if that's a good idea uh, but then the other thing that came to mind with juno tempo is like lead character like shriek but no shriek is shrieks with carnage did they do shriek was there anyone else in see i, I don't even remember let there be carnage 
Moving on. I don't want to think about it anymore. Ryan Reynolds was is talking about like Wolverine and Deadpool three. He's saying how he's he's kind of it's going to be like a different Wolverine than we've seen, and he he mentioned how he's just like bugging Hugh Jackman. He's like, hey, you got to come back, you got to come back, you got to come back, and it seems like that this Wolverine is kind of different enough that that was part of what was able to entice Hugh Jackman to come back, and apparently it's he's like he's gonna be grumpier than we've seen and the deaths not being undone because of time travel or something like that so i guess we'll have to see i i don't know i mean i'm sure it'll be fun and wacky so i, I don't know uh guardians of galaxy so we're, we're at the, the stage well we have less than a month that comes out right just a couple weeks so we're at the point where we're starting to get like tons of clips and 30 second TV spots that, you know, use like the same footage, but then they sneak in a little bit of extra and, and stuff like that. There was a clip where they're going in a, in a car and, and Peter is trying to explain to, uh, so this, is this spoilers? No, <laughs> kind of, no. He's trying to explain to uh, Nebula, like how to open a door and everything. And she can't, you know, she's getting frustrated. And then he, he swears at her. He drops an f bomb. It's bleeped out in the, this this clip, and and that was like the big news things. Guardians of the Galaxy dropping a Marvel's first f bomb. So, I, I'm just looking. At, it's like, is is that really necessary? It's this whole thing, you know. We we get into uh, it's. I I just. Does is is that going to make the movie better? Maybe it'll make it funnier. But then if it's if if you're going for like the shock value to make it funny, don't put it in a, in a, a clip that you're going to put online and kind of spoil it. And yeah, it's bleeped. I don't know. Maybe it's it's going to be a deleted scene that doesn't even end up in a movie. But so there may be an f bomb in, in there. So I don't know. But then you know we're going to have Deadpool, so there'll be plenty of f bombs, right? Neil Gaiman, going over to, actually, that's not really DC, but sort of DC, he said that uh, Dead Boy Detectives is going to be in a sh- like a shared universe with the Sandman, because they're both on, on Netflix now, because uh, HBO Max decided, yeah, we got this Dead Boy Detective show, but uh, let's try to sell it off, because we're, we don't want to spend the money, we're being cheap, or I don't know what the deal is, and then Netflix snatched it up, so... I guess they're going to be in the same universe, so maybe crossover. Not necessarily, but it's possible. He uh, he also mentioned, uh, or someone mentioned that Sandman season two. Or no, he yeah, Neil Gaiman mentioned that the the scripts have been written, and they're casting for like the first episode. So start start filming that. And there's also talk that there was there wasn't like a firm mention of like season two. So it's it's there's been talk of Netflix not releasing them in seasons or like kind of releasing episodes in batches, which you what do you think? What's my thought on that? I am 100 percent on board with that. So what one of the things that they experience apparently is with the first season that everyone didn't watch it like all at once. And whether it was a different audience or maybe some people were just like, I don't want to I don't. This is kind of my thoughts too. I don't want to just blow through them all, and then you have nothing to watch. So maybe they're like, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna just kind of savor them and just watch an episode or two episodes, and then wait, and then come back the next day or later, you know, watch some more." So who knows? I I again, I strongly feel 
that that adds to the longevity of a show because otherwise you blow through it and yeah you get that experience but then you forget about it because then you're moving on to the next show that you're you're binging and plowing through all those episodes so i just feel it's it's just it's too easy there's just too much out there that you know you kind of have to pick and choose and or and 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 even if you if you have the time to just binge 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 you're consuming all this stuff you're you're gonna like oh this next show this is so cool you start watching all that and you forget about the the first show that you thought was so cool so whatever i I know i i go on and on about that i'm tired of hearing myself talk about that but I, i don't know um oh going back to marvel so I, I hate rep- talking about stuff like this. It's, it's all reported. You know, there's nothing confirmed. But I've been seeing a, a lot of Facebook posts. I don't even know why I look at these. But sometimes they, they come up in my regular feed. Because, you know, there's the Facebook news feed, which is, is a lot of time it makes me makes me chuckle. But sometimes, like, a post comes up, like, suggested post or whatever post. So a lot of people have been saying Jonathan Majors is is some said so here's here's the 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 absurdity of it. Some people are posting that Jonathan Majors has been recast. Like there is already someone else that they're saying this is going to be a new king. Marvel's already decided this. But then just like last week, Marvel's like, uh, no, we're not doing anything uh, about recasting or anything like that. Unfortunately, then I maybe like a c- couple days after that. Uh, Variety reported that more women have come forward with similar claims of abuse against him. Who knows? I mean, it's 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 so hard, you know, not to dismiss anyone's accusations because if you have been in an abusive relationship, it is so hard to get the the guts to stand forward and and state, you know, what happened. It is not okay. There is is it is never okay to be an abuser. And, and again, it doesn't necessarily even, it's not just physical abuse, but, you know, there's verbal or mental abuse, you know, all that, any sort of abuse is not okay. So a lot of people, they, they go through this and, and they feel like they can't say anything, you know, I, 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 you know, I deserve this, this is my fault, or no one's going to believe me. And, and that's the, the kind of situation we're at. And especially when it's a woman laying a claim against a man, a lot of people are like, oh, she's just making it up or she's after money, or she's after, you know, there's something like that. So it's it's hard. And then when you have claims against a celebrity, it, it you know, the immediate thought is, is like, oh, they're just, again, they're after money. They're trying to get something out of it. They're trying to make a name for themselves, trying to get the, you know. So it, it's hard to say because we don't know. Right away, the you know, they, they've stated, you know, whoever his people said that this is not true. He's never done anything. But of course they're going to say that. You know, it, it's. It, I mean, I don't know if they're like, "Oh, whoops, he did do that," but we said he didn't. Uh, sorry, but you know, he he he's we're on his payroll, and he told us that. I I don't know. It's just so hard to say. I just the idea of someone falsely accusing someone. That's that's it's not the same as that's not the same level as as abusing. You know, being abusive, but it it's it's damaging, and I'm definitely. If someone is laying false claims, there should be some, you know, uh, compensation or some some repercussions for saying something that is not true. Because then, if someone's like, "Oh yeah, I was kind of wrong," but that that happens a lot, where it could be, you know, maybe there was some sort of payoff. Say, "Hey, all right, well, let's settle this. What can we do to make this better?" 
and then you know can you recant your story or say that oh you you were mistaken or but there's no way you can say yeah i was being abused oh wait no actually i wasn't i was i was wrong about that you you, you can't do that so no idea what what that means i and jonathan majors you know he seems he i mean he's a great actor uh, that, that you know i can say that so it would be it be really I mean, it'd be upsetting if this great actor was a you know big, big scumbag. But I just hope. I mean, I don't want anyone to be abusive to have that rage or whatever. So you know, I want to believe that it's not true. I hope it's not true. And you know, it's it's always in. I, mean, I guess not really. You know, it's like why is this coming out now? You know, why? You know, he's he's been in the spotlight before. You know, he had that. Uh, uh, what's that show called? Something County. Um, uh, HBO show. I, as soon as I'm done with this, I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, um, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so he was in a, in a in a big big. It was a successful show. People were talking about it. it didn't get renewed, and everyone's like, what's going on? He was great in it. And then, oh wait, he's in Marvel movie or Marvel TV show, Marvel movie, and he's in in Creed. Hey, by the way. No, I mean, it's not necessarily the case because, you know, someone came forward and said, this is what happened. So then other people were like, oh, I'm not the only one. It wasn't my fault. Someone else was brave enough to say, I feel like I'm spending way too much time on this. I just, I hope that's not, the, not, I want everyone to be happy and I want everyone to be safe. James Gunn says Superman Legacy is now in pre-production. So... I, I, that doesn't mean very much. I mean, it's, it's going to be a while, but at least it's it's moving forward. Uh, speaking of James Gunn, the Russo brothers have stated that they're interested in doing something with Batman. They they've always wanted a character, so basically they want to direct a Batman movie. Uh, they I think they know James Gunn, so ho- hopefully that that can happen. There's that Brave and the Bold movie. It's supposed to be like Batman and Damian Wayne. That it doesn't have a director. Maybe they can say, "Hey, do you want this? We don't have anyone attached." But, but the, you know, the bigger question would be like, "What do the Russos have in mind? Do they want to do a Batman and Robin or whatever the idea behind you know Brave and the Bold is?" They might be like, "Yeah, we want to do our own thing. We want to do you know Batman and Condiment King. You know, just someone random." I hate I hate that I said that because that's seems like that's supposed to be the funny thing. Whatever you get, what I'm saying. So, but I'm sure they they can make whatever make it work and add with their own stamp to whatever is is being established and i don't know what i do know is paramount plus is apparently developing a galaxy quest tv series uh when i first heard this i was like oh this is there's not a there's like no information available on this so no idea what this means my first thought was like if they're gonna do a tv series what if they try to do a tv series based off like what the actual galaxy quest you know show was supposed to be and just keep it in that universe i don't know if that would necessarily be a good idea because you know it, it's it's a spoof on star trek but then you're you're kind of, so what do you do like like a goofy silly star trek that's you know that's trying to be serious but it's kind of goofy are you going to recast or are you going to get Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver, you know, get some, bring the characters back and continue. Who knows? I don't, I sure don't know. Cause, uh, that hasn't been said yet. 
so it was, it's weird because if that was a you know there's no mention of i mean maybe they're trying to gauge what people think you know like oh do do people want that do they want a reboot do they care if it's a reboot or do they want us i don't know um futurama is coming back to on hulu as as i've mentioned before and as everyone's mentioned we have a, a it's actually happening a little sooner than than was expected because there has there's never been like a, a date there's still no release date but now they're saying it's returning this summer so that's a, at least it narrows it down a little more you know we, you know it'll probably be before august versus before it was just like a you know 2023 which is like the whole year so we'll see but yeah nothing else to report on with that and then uh, i believe the last bit of news which is kind of a bummer um not super surprising a disney plus national treasure edge of history is i can only remember what it's called it's canceled after one season and uh that that's too bad and you know i i think the reason there's probably two reasons canceled one because this this guy i know refused to watch it never never got around to watching it and uh the the second reason is i was a supposed to do press interviews at san diego but then at the last minute they're like oh yeah we're actually not gonna be able to to get you into the room i totally get it i am not like cream of the crop top tier you know reporting like i used and before i wasn't necessarily top you know whatever but it's it's just it's it's weird because the way it works and here's a you know how the sausage is made or whatever is you know a lot of times you get invites to the press rooms you know to see like hey are you interested we want to offer this opportunity and you're like uh heck yeah you know sign me up and they're like okay we'll get back to you once we confirm it and then you then you you have to wait you have to wait and the hard part is oh wait i want to do this when you get another opportunity set at the same time then it's like wait i can't commit to can i commit to that i shouldn't commit to that if i'm so waiting on that because then you got to pick and choose and you got to tell someone no which is not i mean it happens but it's not a good thing you know do i don't want to say no to you know an invitation but but at the same time it's like you wait and you wait then they're like oh sorry because basically what they're doing my opinion is they're looking at who's all responding, who's all interested, and then they're going to prioritize it. And then they're going to get, you know, whoever they, they feel has the, the bigger reach, whatever. Um, I, on the other hand, I'm part of me is kind of glad <laughs> that, that I, I didn't get that opportunity because I didn't really know much about the show. And I just knew the movies. And, you know, maybe there wasn't a whole lot to say. And I think it was it was it was going to be a round table. Which roundtables are, are fine. I, I mean, I will definitely take a roundtable interview, but yeah, there's that. The other thing about San Diego, which because that that's that's it for the news. But the last kind of bit of bit of news, I kind of don't know if I'm actually going to San Diego Comic Con. You know, maybe I shouldn't say anything right now. But the main thing is, I don't have a hotel room, and you know they they did the the hotel lottery. And you, it's you go in the weight room for an hour even though they sort of like it doesn't matter if you get in there you know at 8 a.m or at 8 59 because you know it starts at nine randomly chooses people regardless of how long you've been waiting and then once you're you're in once it's your turn 
you have to choose. You have to pick 12 hotels. Like, I want this one or this one or this one. So you have to figure out, like, you know, what you want. So obviously, you plan this all ahead of time. I didn't like the way it was. It was this drop-down menu, you know, so it was just a little harder because I, I kind of prioritized it, but I don't think it mattered in the drop-down menu. You're just picking everything. Then we had to wait. So that was like on a Wednesday. You waited till Monday, and then you get the email. Like, what do you get? I got an email that says, you got nothing. Good day, sir. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, I didn't even get any alternatives. And I, so I don't know if I, did I click the wrong thing or did I click don't give me alternatives? Because I, and I have absolutely nothing. And then um, this week is going to be the general sales, which I, I don't want something that's like, and it seems kind of silly. I don't want something that's like 10 miles away. I don't want something that's like more than two miles away because I'm willing to walk back sometimes because sometimes it's nice. I, I've mentioned this before. It's 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 kind of nice, even though you're on your feet all day, running around, everything like that. Sometimes it's nice walking back. You know, I used to do it all the time near a Comic Con. I love doing it. You know, walking through, walking through Hell's Kitchen, and going back to the hotel and you know, grabbing a pizza on the way. It's a good way to unwind, and and also because it's it's like crazy trying to get a cab or a ride or an Uber or whatever because there's it's so many people, so congested. And ever since I've been going to Comic-Con, getting the hotel room has always been the most stressful part of it. It's like, I don't care who I'm interviewing. It's like, I, I get, just build that adrenaline. It's, it's, it's exciting. And it, you know, just, uh, I mean, it is nerve wracking sometimes, you know, depending on who you're talking to, but the most stressful part and the, probably the worst part is is trying to get that hotel and just having no control over it. So, I don't know what I'm going to do. And uh yeah, so that's that's kind of a, plus the fact that it's it's so expensive. So that that's the other thing. Yeah, I don't want to get a hotel room that's like so far away and then it's going to be like the same price as if I would have gotten one a lot closer and then, you know, how am I going to get there? Then you got to pay, am I going to cab it? Am I going to you know, it's just it's going to add to the cost. So that's the bummer news about that. It's 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 really disappointing. And I you know I wish there was a better solution, but it's all about you know supply and demand. You know everyone wants to go, uh, but it's just it's 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 unfortunate. Um, and it's also unfortunate that that's that's ending the news segment with that bummer of of a whatever announcement. So that's the news for the week. With comic books at Image Comics, there is the Forged, or there's Forged, number two. Just Forged, not the Forge. So this is by Greg Rucka, Eric Troutman, and Mike Henderson doing the art. I'm a huge Mike Henderson fan. I lo love his art. Uh, this is a... I don't even know how to describe this comic. You, you have to... And that's the thing. When you, you read this issue... You know, you get like the, the opening recap thing at the beginning. And oh my God, I read the whole thing. I read the first issue because I talked about it. I read that the recap thing. I'm like, geez, there's like so much going on. There's like this space empress and then there's these clones and then like these kind of clones made from her. They're, they're like kind of like these super powered. It's not really super powered, but like kind of like enhanced women, like soldiers. And then there's these other, they're not clones. They're like made from her genetic or I can't even keep it straight now. But then there's these other ones that are kind of clones or whatever. And they're like these sub tier, like kind of de deity, like psychic, whatever 
it's just like, what the heck's going on? And they're like going through space and they're on this mission and they're trying to find something. And then the 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 soldier women they land on this planet. They're in these like mech suits and then it's like I I, I feel like like wait why why did they land on this planet? And I'm sure it mentioned it. It must have been like on page one or page two. As I'm reading this, I'm like, what the heck's going on? Oh, wait, someone got their arm ripped off? But is, is their arm in there? Or is it just a suit armor and arm? And, and then and then when you find out what the mission is, like, wait, what the heck does this mean? What's going on? I don't, I don't know. Um, but I love the art, I have to say. No offense to anyone involved, but uh, I'm just... And this is the problem. This is my life. You know, boohoo, poor Tony. There's just like so much going, just trying to keep up with it. Whew. I, I, I try to read all the stuff so I can talk about it. <laughs> I don't know if any of that, I hope that makes it sound interesting. You're probably like, you should see like, what the heck am I talking about? Read it for yourself. Because first issue sold out. Uh, they, a second printing of the first issue came out last week. So you, you can check it out for yourself. Don't don't listen to my my whatever ramblings. I swear I haven't I haven't had a drop of alcohol. I don't know what's going on. Uh, what else do we have? Um, I feel bad every time this comes out. Magic Order Four, Issue Four of Six. I I because I really like the first two volumes, but it's just I don't know. It's it. I got behind. That that's 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 all it came down to. I missed an issue, and then I missed a second issue, and then a third. Then then it's just like it's I'm I'm toast. I I can't keep up with it. <sighs> But I I cannot wait for for the 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 show if it ever comes out. I have no idea what what, what the status is, but I'm I'm excited. Uh, then we also had no one number two came out. So this uh, first issue sold out. I I don't know if the second issue sold out yet. Uh, this is by Kyle Higgins and Brian Bucciolato with art by Gerald or Gerardo. Oh my gosh, Gerard Geraldo Geraldo. Why can I not say that? I feel like something wrong with my mouth. Gerald, Gerald, Aldo, Gerald. I got to edit that, man. Oh, my gosh. Borges. Oh, I tell you, man, don't. If you're if you do a podcast or ever plan doing podcasts, don't wait till the end end of a long day. <laughs> At least I'm so awake, right? So no one issue two. This is an interesting uh, concept. Uh, not only is it a comic, but it's also a podcast. And what the 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 interesting thing, which I, I think I mentioned last last uh, issue, is the comic takes place in real time. You know, like time passes. Um, but oh, what I should say about the podcast: podcast has Rachel Lee Cook, and she's all that. <laughs> I I man, that I I I I don't know if I said this last time. I said this. To, I I sent a text to Brian, and he's probably like. Shh. Not bothering me, but I mean, how cool is for Rachel Lee Cook? I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping she's like a really cool person, but she is forever. She has the title. It's like, yeah, Rachel Lee Cook. She's all that because <laughs> she's in that movie, and she is forever. She will always be all that and more. <laughs> but I, I hope for like, because Fred wasn't Freddie Prince Jr. in it. I hope people like Freddie Prince Jr. She's all that. No, he's all that. He seems like a cool guy too. So the podcast. <laughs> I said, who are you? I hope you're still listening. The podcast has Rachel Lee Cook and Patton Oswalt. So there you go. I mean, they, that's like legit. That's like you know, real people, and and there. 
so the the let's see as the who is no one podcast begins to spark national interest the ida public turns on julia and when yet another body shows up with four bullets in its chest ben's investigation leads him to a personal crossroads and a new suspect so basically there is like this vigilante whatever and then there's this possible copycats and it's like what's going on and you're trying to figure out and um and so it's just interesting, and and the fact that you know there is a podcast that's mentioned a comic, and there and we get an actual legit podcast. So it's 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 I don't think it's it's meta. Maybe it is meta, but in a good way. I, I don't know. Meta is not necessarily bad, right? So it's it's in, it's cool that it's not just a comic book. You know, they're, they're I feel it's kind of ambitious. You know, it's it's taking things to the next level rather than just like comic book, comic book. You know, it's like let's just add some more to it so that, that that's i think really really cool oh um have i been reading did i not read rogue sun issue 12 came out i know i didn't read it this week that wasn't necessarily intentional i think it's just I, there's like there's a couple other books where there's a lot of times where i feel like yes i i did it i read all the comics before recording date i'm good and then you're like oh crap no i didn't I stopped reading that one. I stopped at page three. I had to do something else or I went to bed or I ate dinner and then I never finished it. And then I thought I did. But I think now that I, I think, I don't think I read, I think I might be like two, maybe three issues behind on Rogue's, Rogue Sun. But this is the end of the story arc. So it gives me time to catch up, I guess. I don't know. Then at DC Comics, we had uh, a few books. Let's see. We had Superboy, The Man of Tomorrow. So this is with Connor, Connor Kent. Uh, this is our, our our favorite clone of Superman. And um, it was a it was a fine issue. Uh, I I didn't necessarily love it. And I the the main thing is it's it's weird because it's it's kind of like Connor's trying to find a place for himself. And and, and part of the thing is he he was kind of like out of the of the universe or the multi you know he's like he was away and he's aware that like the universe has been kind of like rewritten without him while he was like in this other dimension so you know he's trying to you know figure out like what he's doing where he's at and there's just so many superpower people because like you know he's like in metropolis and then he's like oh these people need help and then like there's there's supergirl oh wait oh no and there's like jonathan and so it's like he he wants to save people he wants to help out but there's like so many other people who are like oh no we got it you're you know you're good you can you can take off so he ends up going to the fortress solitude and he's like who needs help so you know call up on the computer but like all the places that have helped there's like someone already like there because there's so many superheroes in the world so then he expands it. He's like, okay, let's go to Galaxy. Who needs help? And then it's like, bloop. Then there's a place. So he goes out there and, and takes on like a big threat. And um, so it makes it interesting. But I, I'm i not I'm not super crazy about him not being on Earth. Because, you know, I want him to be around Earth people, Earth characters. You know, not, not that I'm uh, against other species or whatever. But the, the interesting thing has nothing to do with this now, but now that I think about it, Marvel space stuff, Marvel, co Cosmic Marvel, not super crazy about it. Cosmic DC, I'm I'm okay with it. I, I'm, I'm all right. You know, it's, it's not that bad. And maybe because I really like Green Lantern, it's probably because of Green Lantern 
and also especially Jeff John's Green Lantern run that's really made me like just love DC, you know, space DC. But Space Marvels, I don't know, something about it. Sometimes it just just doesn't quite click with me. I don't know. But anyways, this. So it, it was a, a good first issue. You were, you were seeing Superboy like unleash and you know, just trying to be a hero. He might be in over his head. Uh, so we'll, we'll see where, where that's going to go. Then there was a DC Silent Tales by Gustavo Durarte. I'm trying to think. I should have looked. I meant to look it up. I don't know if Gustavo Durarte did a... Was it like did he do a Justice League? Like um he he has he has a very I, I absolutely love this style. It's 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 kind of like a cartoony style, but not like overly cartoony. It's just it, it's just look and the colors just look so crisp and clean. It's just so so good. So this is six stories. It's um like like almost like 60 pages, like 50 something pages, and they're they're silent stories. You know, there there's what that means is there's there's no text so what we have in here uh let me get to the table of contents um but it's just this art is so good we have a uh, harley quinn there's a cyborg story so it's uh, uh, to entice you a little more harley quinn and hammer time the story cyborg and long play superman and bugs zatanna and mr crawley the Joker and Gotham Gothic, Lobo and Suckers, and was that seven? Wait, I guess that was it. The, so that the art is is great. Uh, I really like the Harley Quinn story, the Hammer story. That, that actually brought a smile to my face. But some of the other stories were okay. They they didn't like wow me as much as that first one. And uh, I I always find it interesting. You know, like I think in my younger days, whatever. When when it, you know, it's like like oh there's no words in this when you when you get to, you know you got the GI Joe silent issue that was you know that 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 did blow our socks off it was it was just such a cool story but then like when Marvel did the enough said month and like everything was was silent at first I'm like man I read this comic in like two minutes because there's no words you know so you just kind of zip through it and yeah you got to look at each panel you should look at each panel. So in, in the beginning, I was like, "It's like, oh, this is this is like a, a ripoff," but no, because you know, especially with with those Nuff said books, you know, they they included the script where the writer the writer's not just like getting a vacation, paid vacation that month. They have to write a script. I mean, depending on how how much they collaborate with the artist or whatever, you know, if the, the writer if the artist is involved in the storytelling or just you know going off the scripts. And I'm not saying I'm not trying to like minimize the importance of that. But the you know the writer has to write details. Okay, in this panel, this is what's happening. This panel, this is what's happening. You because know, you're telling a story with just pictures, and and that you know to to move the plot along and to make it clear what's happening. That that's I can't imagine that'd be an easy thing. You know, you don't have to worry about cheesy dialogue, but you need to make sure that the story is being you know conveyed and 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 moving along. So it's it's a cool and and just the, the art alone is is just so good, uh, and the, the the stories are, are are fine, but yeah. So there, it's, it's I I enjoyed that I would say, Batgirls issue seventeen. Uh, so here, I, this this is this is a a, a good story or a good comic. It's the, the main thing for me is because it's, it's Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown. So while some aspects of the story, 
I'm, I'm, there's some things I don't like in, I've, I've mentioned this before where like when the characters are in danger or there's a certain, you know, enemy or this or that, it's, it's like, I don't want to, you know, why, why does this always have to happen? Why, why can't the, the heroes be happy or whatever? But, you know, if you don't have that, then, you know, then there's, there's no, it's going to be boring. So it, it's good. The biggest conundrum I have with this series is I'm not sure about about the color what's going on because Stephanie is always colored she's like pink like a pinkish purple and I I, I just if, I I don't I don't understand I don't, I don't I don't know why that that's the case and I really think you know trying to set that because because when you see Barbara Barbara is more like flesh tone but. I just it's it's weird. I I don't it, it, to me it's distracting and I just, I'm just trying to figure out like why is she like that? Um Catwoman 54 so Selena's still in jail and uh what's what's interesting what I didn't quite realize that not everyone knows well I mean I guess it's kind of obvious but not everyone knows that Selena is Catwoman because you know my whole thing was how could Bruce Wayne ever marry Selena because everyone knows Selena's Catwoman and then Catwoman's, you know, going or swinging around town with like Batman on rooftops. So it's like, wait, wouldn't that be kind of weird? But I guess I was just kind of wrong with what the public knows or d- doesn't know. So Selena, it, it's not common knowledge. It's not like Catwoman was arrested and they're like, oh, you're Selena Kyle. So, you know, she gets arrested, but it's Selena Kyle that, get, that got arrested, not Catwoman, I guess. I must have missed that little tiny detail, that distinction. And that's why, like, there's currently, like, a, a Catwoman decoy covering uh, Alleytown. Is that what it's called? Where she, she hangs out? And in the prison, you know, the, the people know that Selena Kyle is, is a badass, but they don't realize that she's Catwoman. And then when Queen of Hearts from the Royal Flush Gang comes in, you know, she's been working with uh, Punchline and, you know, she's got a beef with, with Catwoman. So then when they're, they encounter, she's like, like, oh, you're working with, I, I hear Catwoman's locked up in here and, and you're working with her. You know, she's, because she, um, Queen of Hearts, she saw the new Catwoman and she's like, that's not Catwoman. You know, it's a different costume and it's not quite the same style. So she kind of has, you know, she she knows. And so then when at point she is talking to Selena, she doesn't know Selena's Catwoman, but she knows that Selena knows who Catwoman is. So she's like, you tell her that, you know, that we're going to arrange this fight between her and Punchline or whatever. But then the other weird thing is, is Selena's like, okay, we're going to do a prison break. So, you know, because she's kind of made like friends with some of the other inmates it's like so you're just going to be under you're going to be a fugitive for the rest of your life. I, I just never really understood that. Okay, then we have Flash seven ninety seven. Um, this this was a okay this was an okay issue, but it focuses on on Wally's kids, and I'm I'm not a huge fan of like toddlers you know or in, in the con it's just like you know when you have the sitcom and it's like let's bring in you know someone i i'm sure i've said this someone has a baby and then the next episode or the next season now the baby is like six years old and they always say the funniest things you know you're trying to be all cutesy and everything like that so we have wally and his kids and they have powers and you know i i have nothing against powered kid comics you know we, teen titans has always been great 
but it's just like oh i'm not the biggest fan of these characters and it's like this is supposed to be the flash comic so basically uh the, the kids plus maxine animal man's daughter they get shunted away into like this other dimension or something like that so and then oh, i don't i think it might be a spoiler but then there's talk of like like the, the super what are they called the super kids or something like that and there's you know, all these villains show up and they they have a way to like call up like whatever you know whatever you want and that's where they, they pull the kids because basically they want to take them out before they form the, the the team and you know because they're like their nemesis and, and all that so there's supposed to be like other superpower kids that they're going to be teaming up with they're supposedly maybe going to make this team at, at, at some point will we ever see it not maybe not but i see i think it's a spoiler there's a a couple people that show up that they end up teaming up with and it was it was pretty cool because they're pulled out of time it's a super sons spoiler so we we get young jonathan kent i may i just i'll even say it so i think i may have said how but oh man you know how i feel about the super sons i enjoy jonathan kent the way he is now in the comics you know his current series but i i would give that up to have jonathan still being a kid and and you know having adventures with damien because they were just so much fun and that's and that's coming from me who i just literally said i don't like the kids in the comics but they were 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 really good um wonder woman 798 interesting development so this is continuing with like the the gods stuff and uh what's it called it um what's the liquid stuff that, that rachel gould uses lazarus pit the lazarus war all that stuff oh my 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 mind so mary marvel makes a choice to help out wonder woman and uh it has a a a massive effect on on mary has a massive effect on wonder woman like what what this means so it's changing both characters i don't know if this is a temporary thing or if this is because I, I have no idea, like, like I don't look at the solicits, so I don't know what's happening in the next, like, two or three issues of Wonder Woman. It may be on the covers, or maybe they've, they've kind of kept kept it, like, under wraps, so when it happens in this issue, you're not spoiled. But it's just, uh, it's it's definitely interesting. I, I don't know how I feel, because I, I really like Mar- Mary Marvel, and, uh, you know, so it's going to have an effect on her, but it's it's not, she's not, like, dead or anything. She's not going where she's still in the game. But it's just, huh. So I'm just really, really curious like what, what this is going to mean. Then we have uh, World, Batman Superman World's Finest. So this is continuing the story where with a metamorpho. And uh, it's just this 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 book. Mark Wade just does a, a just great job with a little detail. And the stuff that he like throws in there, it's either he is still like massively reading i mean not massively but he's like up to date because there's you get these little comments about like certain things in the like recent comics and it's like wow he's a and i i don't mean that in a bad way but a lot of times you know it it's hard enough it's hard to read everything it's not i don't think this is like a trade secret or anything like that but the creators out there 
they are not reading every single comic that gets put up because there's just way too many and they're spending all their time writing you know trying to you know come up with ideas and, and whatever and, and artists are drawing and stuff like that obviously massive things you know they're they're kept up to date especially if they're working on something that's going to deal with other characters they're told like hey in, in this issue batman's lost his arm and now he has a, a mechanical cyborg arm like winter soldier they would be told something like that but just a little tiny detail you know mark wade he's he's a, he's a great writer and and then throwing uh dan mora oh my gosh dan mora his art is just so good and then with a uh, uh tamara bond villain i mean the the colors it's just this is just a good so anyways uh there's there's been a, a murder you know metamorpho was kind of he's a suspect uh, bruce wayne was a suspect and uh you know bruce wayne actually gets arrested so there's a lot of like weird stuff and just like robin in here he's just just it's, it's something about him i i was gonna say he's like charming because you know this is like earlier you know continuity so it's just it's so much fun i, I really enjoy this book uh, Black Adam issue ten. I'm not reading this, but I did flip through this, so you know it's yeah. I I don't even know what to say. Stuff like what is Adam Black Adam's fate and this other. I don't even know what is. I can't remember his name. Who he's he bestowed some of his power to him and he doesn't want it, but he now it turns out that he kind of can't give it up, you know, because there's a connection and yeah, it's just weird. Um, Deceased War of the Undead Gods issue eight. So this was. I really like Deceased in the beginning. I wasn't super crazy about this. And part of, of the my my personal opinion, not that it's like it wasn't good or anything like that, but just the fact that there's been like so many people that have died, so many characters that have died. And that's kind of the the point where in this book or see, you know, since this is like its own continuity, anything goes and and you know it raises raises the stakes where people actually die and you know major characters because this would never happen in a regular comic i mean yeah characters die but you always know that there's no way they're going to be back within you know within six months or a year but here you know characters die they're they're gone and it's just it's, you know sometimes it feels like oh it's it's just shock value and but you know tom taylor is a great writer and so that's that's not the case and it's just i to to me I guess what it comes down to is I'm not the big biggest fan of comic book deaths. So when you have a story, and yeah, that's kind of the main focus where there's this like, it's basically like a zombie apocalypse type of thing, but not not necessarily like that. That's the whole point of it. But it does as well as it's written. I'm not going to necessarily like it if it's something I I don't enjoy. You get what I'm saying? Um, then also by Tom Taylor of Nightwing 103. This is this is a such a, a good book too. It's weird because this is um, it's almost like it's a Teen Titans book, and I'm not complaining about that. But it's 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 weird because this is supposed to be Nightwing's book, but it makes sense and because it, it it always kind of drives me nuts. Like okay, Nightwing's. Like, you know, if Nightwing was in the Teen Titans and then he's in his own book, but in his own book. Because, like, we had that before when they had the, the Titans Academy where Nightwing was there, but there was never any mention of it in a Nightwing series. So it's like, wait, so he's doing all this stuff in Bloodhaven 
and then somehow he zips over to Titan's Island or whatever, and then teaches some classes, then goes back to Bloodhaven and does deals with all this. And so at, at least we have this that that it's like a firmer continuity where you know he's in the team, so of course we're going to see him all the time. My big problem, um, I guess, well, not really big problem, but this story's revolving around like Blockbuster's daughter, just little little girl that. Hit, he actually sold her soul to Neron, who I t don't care for. I, I think he's a big, big wiener, and uh, so yeah, it's just a lot, of, a lot of dealing with that. But it, it's, it is a lot of fun seeing Nightwing with the Titans and just like their interaction because it, it makes it, it you know, because they're like a family and it, it's just it's warmer. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, and then there is <laughs> Superman issue three. So this is continuing the, this is a Joshua Williamson Superman book and Parasite. It's so weird when I, a lot of times I realize it's like, I don't really like this villain. I don't really like this villain. <laughs> There's not a whole lot. You know, I'm trying to think like, who's my favorite Superman villain? <laughs> I, I don't know if I necessarily have one because you don't like, you're not supposed to like the villains. But Parasite, I, I've always thought Parasite was kind of a weird villain because, you know, what he does, and maybe because it's almost like he's too powerful, because you can't get close to Parasite without getting all your energy, you know, drained. And then, and then you always get funky, withered, skinny, you know, Superman with bones protruding, you know, under his skin, practically. And and then and Parasite, he's just like, oh, give me more. And he gets bigger and bigger and just looks silly. And But this was definitely a different kind of, take on it you know the way it evolved and there's like so many like little whatever parasites and so yeah it's just kind of kind of funky <laughs> over at marvel oh my gosh here we go amazing spider-man issue 24 um i think it's, it's kind of official it is official now at, at the end of this issue i i do not like <laughs> green eggs and ham and i do not like what is going on with mary jane and her fam oh man so we've kind of seen this coming we're at issue 24 oh the thing that drives me crazy is they're saying a year went by something happened and spider-man basically pissed off a bunch of the heroes he did some stuff and 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 the reason he did all the stuff is to save mary jane so spoilers they mary jane and peter got pulled into this other dimension and the problem is a time passes differently there. So Peter's like on this, this that he's racing against a clock because he, he, he was trying to get Mary Jane to, you know, they had a device. There's this other dude, that dude, Paul, freaking Paul. I was sore there for real. Um, Paul was there, big jerk. It's partly his fault, kind of. He was working with someone who was in cause of all this. And so they had a device to send mary jane back to their universe but then she's like no we need to send spider-man back so she like last minute she sticks on him sends him he's like no he goes back so he arrives in his universe and he's he's got to get back there so he needs to you know he he goes like fantastic four read read and sue they're off planet or something like that or they're in a negative zone you know wherever they go and you know he's just trying to get so he's he's alienated a lot of the heroes because he's like stolen like stuff because he, he needs to get the tech to go back 
And then this is where it's it's to the point where he's so desperate, he's working with Norman Osborne. You know, Norman Osborne has been cleansed of his sins, but it's still Norman Osborne. And because Peter has no one else to turn to, and you know, now all these heroes are kind of against him. Like, of course, Avengers are after him because you've done some questionable things, young man. You dudes, go after the actual villains. Don't go after Peter Parker or don't go after Spider-Man. Don't go after Daredevil. Go after like actual villains who are killing people and not just heroes who might be doing something a little questionable, like you know, breaking villains out of jail for some reason or stealing some tech. Go after the people. Go go after the Punisher, where he's killing people. He's killing. It doesn't matter if he's killing villains or whatever. He's is killing people, and Daredevil and Spider Man is not killing people. Although they think Elektra killed people, but it wasn't a real person. Oh, uh, but anyways, so Peter, you might kind of see where this is. It was kind of predictable where this was coming from because when we see Mary Jane with this dude Paul. And we saw, like, who are these kids? You know, so, oh, okay, Mary Jane's dating some dude named Paul and he has two kids. Awesome, great that she's open to it. You know, she's she's not letting, you know, some people are like, oh, you got kids? Uh, no, thank you. She's like, you know, she's great together. You know, she's going to be, you know, with, with them. And all. and then they're like, hey, mom. I was like, she's been with, with them for six months and these kids are calling her mom? It's like, what the heck? Oh, these kids... Are they that needy of a of a mom that they're gonna call? So you see where this is going, and I do not like this. Oh my goodness, this I I could do an off my mind and just go off for thirty minutes about why I don't like this. Oh, I don't think anyone wants to hear that. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'll wait till to see because this is when this story's over. This arc. <laughs> um, I don't know what I don't like more. Uh, this or King Chasm. <laughs> ben Riley. Ben Riley died in the '90s or whatever the Clone Wars, the Clone Saga was. Oh, poor Ben. Jeez, hey, man, they just they screwed him over. Uh, what's this? Avengers Assemble Omega. Did I actually read this? Oh, this is. I did actually. I didn't read this. This is the grand, oversized finale, the most epic battle in the history of Earth's mightiest heroes. Blah blah blah. Um, I just didn't like. I don't know what it was with that. I didn't like that. Um, Bishop War College. I read the first issue and I didn't care for it. Yeah. So, and Bishop is just. It's he was like he's drawn differently. Like almost doesn't even look like him. But yeah, I didn't read that. So I hope you're enjoying that if you're reading it. Um, I didn't read Captain America Unforgiven because this is a, you know, we had the Spider-Man Unforgiven, X-Men Unforgiven, and it's kind of, so I, I didn't even look at this. Captain America Vampire Hunter? The Forgiven have lost their way. So I think, I don't know if it's, they're all connected. I thought there's like all kind of same theme, but maybe this Forgiven thing is bouncing around. The Forgiven have lost their way. Defeat after defeat has made them bitter and bloodthirsty, and they're starting to like it. Can Captain America bring them back into the light, or will they give in to their darker natures? Witness the terrifying conclusion to the Unforgiven saga, if you dare. Yeah, so I didn't read that. But then what I did read was Hollow's Eve, issue two. I don't know why I read this. 
So Hollow's Eve is is dealing with Janine. Why the heck is Janine getting her own book? Like who the heck is Janine? Janine is Ben Riley's girlfriend who was uh, you know introduced a while back and everything. So during the dark web story, uh, she she got a bag of ma- magic evil masks from Madeline Pryor from Limbo. So you put on this mask and you gain those abilities. Like there's one, you put on this mask, you turn into a werewolf. You put on this mask, you turn into a vampire. Oh, but you also have, you get the vampires, you can fly and have their strength and all that, but you also have the hunger. So you don't want to wear it out all the time. And then, then she has this mask. Put this mask on. You look like a, a rookie beat cop. <laughs> how many? I mean, how many masks does she have? And that one of them is a, is a police officer. Uh, but then the thing I don't like about this is we got that what's her name that lady from the Beyond Corporation, and she's just annoying. I don't care about her. Hellcat issue two. So this dude was killed. Um, Hellcat Patsy has been accused of killing this this dude, but she says she didn't do it. We also have Sleepwalker here. It's like what? And then the spoiler from the first issue, you know, it turns out uh, Rick, what's his name, he's in love with Patsy. So maybe he did. Did he kill this dude because of his love? And it's just like, wait, what? How do you even know? When did you ever meet Patsy? Which maybe I just missed that. But it's just what what the heck is going on here? Um, but I I don't know what I've never been like the biggest Hellcat fan, but just with her ever since uh might have been uh was it She Hulk comic I don't think it was it wasn't Squirrel Girl but there's a She Hulk comic not the current volume or was there something else where she's been appearing in and and I'm I'm kind of liking her more and more as 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 I see her so I don't know, it's it's, it's kind of kind of kind of weird. Um, there was a Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur issue five. I didn't read that. There's a New Mutant uh, Lethal Legion, and uh, I just part of it is like I don't. Some of the characters, they're just I just don't care. I don't know who these characters are. These young characters, I don't care about them. So I, it just couldn't read that. Um, there's Nightcrawlers issue three. Man, I, I don't can't believe like how many of these sins of sinister whatever there are. What the reason I'm like, oh man, because I've just been ignoring them. I'm like, uh, no, no, thank you. I'm not going to read that. But because we, I, I didn't even mention. I don't know if I got a press release for. It. I should should check my email. There's doing a, was it Uncanny Spider Man? But it's like Nightcrawler is the Uncanny Spider Man, and what the heck does that even mean? Why is Nightcrawler like stressing a Spider Man, not you know, a different version? I, I hope, I don't know if that's going to be connected. I don't know if all this Sins of Sinister stuff is going to be brought in and like into their main X-Men books and then I'm going to be like, oops. Then there's Punisher issue 11. Oh, things are, are wrapping up here and uh, my my problem with this, I don't know why all these, i starting everything off. So like, my problem with this, my problem with this. I've been enjoying this. This has been like, this isn't. This is such a weird Punisher book. That you know, Punisher's been like elevated. He's with working with the hand. He's got almost like powers. You know, he's just not really powers. But I, I'm, I'm kind of looking at this like you know, to Frankencastle's story arc by Rick Remender. I love that. It was so weird and bizarre and wrong. The fact that. Uh, 
Punisher gets killed and chopped up and then gets brought back like a Frankenstein and then he's on Monster Island. What the heck? But it was like such an interesting different take. And then of course, you know, everything reverted back. So we have all, all this weirdness here. Um, but what's been interesting is we've been seeing a lot of like flashback like into Punisher, like after the war, during the war, you know, when come returning home, trying to get back to a normal life, even though he's just like so changed or haunted by you know, everything he experienced. But I, the, I, the, well, the problem that I have with it, you know, all that is fascinating and, and everything, but it's just some of the implications I kind of don't like. And, you know, we're not supposed to like the Punisher, but you want to root for him because, you know, the, the whole thing, you know, losing your family and, and, and all that, I, I kind of don't like what it's insinuating. And I don't know if they're saying that this is legit canon, like facts, but I don't know. Yeah, so it's just it's just weird. I don't know how I feel because it just, it, it kind of changes a lot about Punisher. And... Maybe maybe we're going to find out, like, oh, that's not really real. I don't know. Or maybe it'll... Who knows? Uh, the Red Goblin... I can't, I can't even say it was a straight straight face. Red Goblin issue three. Oh, my gosh. I, I didn't read this. I don't even... Did I even read the second issue? It runs in a family. Norman Osborn has been targeted by a resurgent and terrifying Goblin King for the precious Goblin formula running through his veins. But Why? And with the emboldened remnants of the Goblin Nation at, at the undead King's Command, will Normie Osborne be able to save his grandfather, or will the Red Goblin be the new King's latest victim? <laughs> Red Goblin. And because it has to do with symbiote, and I'm just... Oh, man. She-Hulk issue 12. This is celebrating the 175th issue, landmark legacy issue even though it's only issue 12 but it's really issue 175 so things have changed i feel like i missed it so shield's been working with mallory book her kind of like you know longtime nemesis lawyer nemesis and she you know she's she's kind of being a jerk to she hulk like her office is like basically like a clause like a you know she barely fits in there and her big main thing was you can't take any superhero, super-powered clients. But all her friends are superheroes, and they're like, hey, you, I need some legal help. And, and But she's like, dude, I can't. Oh, I guess it was, maybe it was in the last issue, because like, then with the, when she, when Mallory saw the potential, like being like Krakoa's lawyer, and like all the possible, like, oh, that's like a lot of clients and stuff like that. So now that, she's turned her her opinion on, on that she hulk is like suddenly overbooked like who's scheduling all these appointments and and like one of them you know she's she was talking to jack of hearts she's like i have a, an appointment with the vulture and he's you know he's a jerk so it's like almost like mallory doesn't care i think he'd be a little selective it's like okay yeah we'll, we'll start you know representing super powered clients but you're gonna represent villains, and even if if it's a a villain says, "Hey, I actually didn't do it this time." They they did do stuff before. I don't know. Maybe it's just supposed to be funny. Um, Star Wars Sana Staros issue three. I don't remember. I must have read this 
I'm pretty sure I read the second issue. I didn't read this one just because of time. Um, it, it, it's been okay. Uh, yeah. Star Wars Yoda issue six. This current story arc also has just been okay. It's a uh, taking place. <laughs> I was gonna say in the past. The everything is in the past, especially if Yoda's in it. But this is because uh, we see Count Dooku in here when he's a lot younger. He has actually like dark hair, not white hair. But the the main focus is on some of the younglings. There's a you know there is a Wookiee and a Transdotian whatever whatever Bosk his species is. Well, the Wookiee gets his vision about the Transdotian, which are they're normally like enemies, you know the, the their species, but. He gets a vision that the Trandoshan, and it's and they're like he was friends. They're friends with, with each other. That this Trandoshan that she turns to the dark side or something like that. So then he's just like, like just being jerked to her and, and all this stuff. And it's just, and part of it is Dooku kind of because uh, the the Wookiee kind of confided in him about the vision, and he's kind of like, well, you gotta you trust your instincts. Visions are meaningful, and this. So it's almost like he's kind of pushing him. It's like don't be a jerk you know you're we know you're gonna be evil or whatever so yeah um yeah oh crap um warlock rebirth i kind of skipped over this as because it's so it's hard you know reading with the marvel app because you know a lot of times you get trade paperbacks so it's like wait is this new or then you you, you click and you say oh this is a collection okay move on move on um so Warlock Rebirth is Ron Mars and Ron Lim. Um, I, I I definitely need need to read this. I'm going to be reading this later. Um, actually, okay, I got one thing I need to remember to mention. Um, there's the excellent number two. I didn't get a chance to read that. I did read X-Force 39. So this is still continuing with the fact that Beast, Hank McCoy, is a big piece of crap and that he killed Wolverine and then as he was being resurrected, interrupted the process and was using Wolverine as his murder tool to like go out and like kill people, kill enemies of mutants or whatever. And he kind of gets discovered and he's just like, all right, well, whatever, I'm doing this thing. He takes off, takes his, his Hank McCoy memory matrix or whatever. And he has like a bunch of Wolverine clones. He's still using them. And he's just like a big piece of crap. And it's just, it's so ridiculous that he's just so so extremely just that's just wrong so wolverine is pissed and then now it's like well what, what are we gonna do with x-force you know we we got to fix this you know just the, the state of where x-force is and beast was doing like things for his personal whatever motives whether it's kind of okay kind of good intentions but just horrible drastic ways to do it i don't know so uh yeah it's it's like we need to put a new team together type of thing and uh so it's it's kind of interesting um but then the other thing i want to mention is i just found out when i, I opened up the the marvel app today um i maybe didn't notice i don't know if I, how, how long it's been up there but the marvel comics app is shutting down june 2nd i i do not like that because um the i guess the, the good news is it's I, everything's shifting over to marvel unlimited I need to look specifically because I have a Marvel apps account. I have a Marvel unlimited account. So how are they going to merge together? And I'm, I'm sure they, they've considered that. 
but I have you know this one other concern that I need to I'm worried about. But the same thing happened with with the DC app. I love the DC app because it's just I, I I like using the Marvel app. Everything's in Marvel. I love using DC app. Everything's there. But when you throw them in like Comicsology, then it's just like you know. So I, it's just hard to read the DC whatever. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I'm sure it's just a matter of cost, like. Why you have Marvel Unlimited and are really pushing that? So why why run and have a team, you know, updating and maintaining, you know, making sure there's no bugs and errors with, you know, the Marvel app when you're really, you know, focusing on the Unlimited. But whatever. So we have all that, and um, that's going to be it. That's all we have. That's all I have to say about comics for this week. All right, let's talk School Spirits, Season 1, Episode 8. Holy crap, uh, Madison's body. Madison's body. I don't know if it's supposed to be like Jennifer's body. That doesn't really make sense. Maybe, I don't know if there's something else's body. But anyways, this show, holy crap. Uh, as, as you know, I really enjoy the show. I, I, I think, you know, Paintless does a great job. And, and the, more, the fact that we have this mystery. You know, she, was, she died. Somehow she died. Was she killed? Was she murdered? What was going on? And I think I made a comment at one point about something, but we'll, we'll get to that later. So the, the, the big thing is, how did this happen? How did she die? She's a ghost now. She's at her school. You know, there's other ghost students and teacher, and we're trying to figure out what happened. And, and that's, it's like, you know, every week, mystery, mystery, you know, like what, what's going on? And uh, maybe it's this person, maybe it's this person. So with with the show, because I haven't really heard anything about it, I'm like, is this? Are they just going to do like a one season show? Just okay, here's a story, wrap it up, boom, done. Thank you, you know, come again. But now the way this ends, we you know we do get answers, but it's like no, we need a second season. It's like where are they going to go? I don't know how they what they could do with this. How? But holy crap! I mean, I was just when we find something out, I had to like pause it and just like, what the f- fudge? <laughs> oh man. So it starts off. It's uh, the next day, you know, Maddie, you know, cause she, so la- last episode, she's like, I think my mom might've killed me. You know, she's like, how, what the heck? And obviously if that happened, maybe it would have been an accident, but ooh, drunken rage maybe, but it's like, no, that, 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 this is again where it's like, it's gotta be a stretch, right? They couldn't really do that. But then again, you never know. So it starts off, you know, Maddie's sitting on the roof of the school. She told Simon to look in her room, you know, try to dress her. And she's talking about her, you know, so it's, as Simon's at her house looking, She's saying that her mom used to hide bottles in her closet because she's like, if she has the money that Nicole buried, it'll be in one of her usual hiding places. You know, cause, and she's like, she's gotten less creative over the years. So we see he exits her mom's room. It's like, wait, how is he there? Is she like passed out on the couch or something like that? Because as he exits the room, we hear her cough from the other room. So it's like, wait, she's there. The you know, the Maddie Vo continues where she says, you know, when she was really desperate, she would even use my room. So he goes into Maddie's room, looks in her desk, looks in a dresser, finds an envelope. So then he goes to leave, and then Sandra's there on the couch. She's like, did you find it? And he, he's like, what? And she's like, Maddie's history notebook. You said you needed to find it, right? He's like, right. He's like, yeah, I found it. He's like, I should head back to school. 
So he leaves. She gets up. She goes to the window and like watches him right off in his bike. And then she like looks towards the bedroom. So then Simon, he didn't find the money, but he found Maddie's necklace because she had her necklace when she was alive. We saw that. And then now when she's dead, she doesn't have it. So if something happens. She doesn't have the necklace. So the question is, why does her mom have it? We literally saw her moments before her death or on her last day. She had the necklace and now her mom has her necklace. So she's sitting across from him and he's like, I know it's not what we thought we'd find, but, and she reaches for it, but then she kind of like pulls back and she's like, I had this when I went to look for her. He's like, and I didn't have it when I showed up here. She couldn't, but then, you know, there could be some, he's like, there could be some completely logical, non-murderous explanation for this. And then she, she's like, get her here. It's like, I always know when she's lying. I know all her tells. If you can get her in a room with me and we could, you know, talk to her, it's like, I could figure out if I'm mom. And he's like, Simon's like, okay. It's like, I'll figure something out. Puts a necklace back in the envelope. And then she's like, yesterday you said figuring it out could mean whether or not I move on. And he's like, oh, don't worry about that right now. I was just being selfish. And she's like, you're never selfish. And he's like, Maddie, if it was her, are you sure you want to know? Then we see Claire and Nicole. They both tell Xavier that he's out of his mind because, you know, they can't come clean about the money or blackmailing this, you know, in order to save Mr. South. They have to think about, like, their future. And Xavier's like, well, what about his, you know, Mr. South's future? And then they see like the, the janitorial staff parking spot has like a, a red X spray painted over it. On the ground, it's someone spray painted, clean this up, killer. They all see it. And Nicole's like, there has to be another way. Because, you know, if they confess without any evidence to back them up, it's, it's all over. And Claire's like, yeah, and the real killer gets away. Like, I'm sure that's what she cares about. So the dead kids are sitting in a group. They're distracted. They're talking about Don, you know, and, and the light and the hum. Mr. Martin kind of fidgets with like a button on his jacket. So it's like something's up with him. Charlie, you know, says nothing like that happened when Janet left. And Wally asks, you know, like, well, what are they missing? Martin says that, you know, he, he knows it's odd, but maybe there's just no correlation with what happened with Janet and what happened with Don. They're, you know, maybe they're just two different, entirely different experiences. Charlie's asked if there was anything weird about the day Janet departed and, you know, while I asked, you know, were there any weird sounds or lights? And Martin's like, nope. He's like, she was simply there one moment and then gone the next. So Charlie says, you know, it doesn't make any sense. He's like, After all these years, he's like, how could you be, st be so clueless? And he's like, excuse me, Charlie. He's like, I'm not sure that's fair. Charlie says that, you know, what if looking back isn't a bad thing? What if it's a key to getting out of here? You know, why shouldn't they at least try that? And Mr. Martin yells. He's like, because it's painful to constantly be thinking about it. He's like, right? He's like, to relive it all? And Rhonda's like, painful how? Mr. Martin like stands and he's kind of like fidgeting, whatever. Because he's like, the day I died, I made a mistake. I turned my back on a student for a split second and there was an error, a fatal error. He's like, there was a fire. I managed to save my class, but not myself. And Rhonda's asks, doesn't that make you a hero then, a martyr? You know, it wasn't even your fault. He, Marcus Martin's like, I was a teacher. I should have paid closer attention. I should have known what was going on. Instead, my students have to live with the memory of, of, of seeing, seeing all, all of that. Let's just say I failed them, and I don't want to fail all of you too. I spent the last 60 years trying to help you all. You know, I may not have chosen to be here, but I've tried my very best to make this time count, to make it better for you. 
And Rhonda says to the other, she's like, he's right. You know, he has done a lot to help us over the years. And Charlie's like, like mock trials and obituaries. And it's just kind of like silent. Then Martin says, he's like, I understand how disappointing it is not to have the answers. I wish I could be more help, but this is unprecedented. I wish I had more answers. I don't. Wally just gets up and leaves and the others follow. So Maddie's sitting in a hall by Don's spot. Wally comes up. He's like, oh, it's going to totally be weird not having Don around. You know, everyone's really upset and confused. He says to, to Maddie, but you talked to her right before she, um, poof. Maddie's like, I told her I was sorry for what she saw during the, the anti-seance. You know, sorry anyone treated her that way when she didn't deserve it. She didn't. You know, it wasn't her fault. And Wally says, you know, we weren't always so great to her either. So Maddie's like, I guess she finally just heard what she needed to hear. You know, what would you do if that one person who was supposed to protect you hurt you? Like the person whose only job to keep you safe? I, I feel for, you know, the first time in this whole ordeal, I'm scared for the truth. Wally's like, hey, if anyone taught me to face my fears, it's you. And then he like kind of takes her like in, a, in his arms, you know, she puts her head, his, her head on her shoulder. Then uh, it's like four o'clock. History teacher asked Simon how the interview went. He's like, what interview? She's like, the Northwestern interview? He's like, oh, it was fine. He's like, whatever. He's like, I don't think I want to go there any, anymore. And she's like, well, what do you think Maddie would think of that? And Simon just kind of shrugs. Then she says, I found out last week Maddie was selected to receive the Fall English Award. She's like, I know it's short notice, but I was thinking you'd like to accept on her behalf. It's at 7 o'clock tonight. You know, you could say a few words if you like. And he's like, no. He's like, Maddie's mom should, should accept it. And the teacher's like, okay. He's like, I'll let her know. Xavier goes to the sheriff's station to talk to his dad. His dad was on the phone, like, asking, he's like, does, does anyone have eyes on, on him or on someone? And then Xavier, you know, he's like, what was that call about? Was it about Mr. South? And his dad's like, what do you want, Xavier? He's like, come on, Dad. He's like, there was no way Mr. South had anything to do with Maddie's disappearance. He's like, I was with him the day she went missing. I've told you this a million times. His dad's like, well, I'm busy. He, like, walks away from the counter, like, into his office, and Xavier follows him. He's like, I also know that he couldn't have been in those houses. The person I saw jumped out a window. Mr. South can barely make it up the steps without a knee brace. His dad closes the door. He's like, now, you're going to come down here and admit to me you were there? He's like, that's a bold move, Xavier. Coming down to my office and telling me that? He's like, I should be arresting you right now. Xavier's like, yeah, yeah, dad, dad, maybe you should arrest me. Or, crazy idea, do your fudging job and arrest the actual criminal. He's like, that's enough. He's like, I got work to do. Go home, Xavier. He just like walks out of his office. So Xavier leaves. He sees a note that his dad wrote. There's like an address. He takes a picture of it. Rhonda is making coffee in the teacher's lounge. Charlie says, he's like, oh, yeah, things got weird before. And he's like, how come you're not asking more questions? And, you know, you know, Don crossed over. And she's like, well, good for her. You know, that doesn't help me. And Charlie's like, well, what if it could? We were there. Don found something in the seance she must have unlocked something you know something huge Rhonda's like we never saw her cross over and charlie says but we felt it right she was able to conjure her memories and made it out Rhonda says can't you just slow down on all of this he says that you know this is what what he's talking about she was in a rush crossover now she wants to slow down it's like she's like you're just out of your depth charlie just give it up and he's like you can't just shut me out and she's like give it up charlie he's like Rhonda. You can talk to me. We're friends. And she's like, why? Because we're stuck here together. She's like, get a fudging clue, kid. And he's like, fine. And he walks out. 
Simon and Sandra are walking the halls, and she asks, she's like, are we early? You know, because no one's here there. He's like, oh, I figured, it, you know, we can go over what, you know, you want to say. And Sandra's like, no, no, no. She's like, I don't want to give a speech. He's like, oh, it's just a few words. You know, we, we could write, you know, some stuff down and, you know, just to be, be ready for it. They go into the history class because that's where uh, Maddie can, you know, talk to him. She's like, which one was hers? You know, where did Maddie sit? And, you know, he points her out because Maddie's actually there sitting in her desk. And Sandra's just like staring at the empty desk, but she's kind of staring at Maddie, but she's not. Then Xavier, Claire, and Nicole go to the address. Nicole asks, he's like, wasn't the last break in like a block over? Claire sees, she looks at it and she notices the door is open like so it's been broken into. Xavier's like, oh, you know, we, why don't we go in? And Claire's like, yeah, because that went so well for us last time. She says that they should just sit and watch. You know, if there's movement, then they'll, they'll go for a closer look. It'll be like a stakeout. And Nicole's like, oh, I just can't think of a better way to spend my Tuesday night with them. Wally and Charlie are trying to find information on Don. They're, like, using, like, the microfiche machine and stuff like that. Wally's not finding anything because he's like, she died in 1960, right? Because there, there isn't anything there. So then he's, like, going backwards. Uh, trying to find any mention of her or whatever. Charlie says that her student records don't really say anything either. And Charlie's, he's like, you know, he knows that they weren't close, but it's weird that they didn't get to say goodbye. And Wally says, he's like, I don't want it. You know, I don't want that. You know, he didn't get to say goodbye last time, like in real life. So he doesn't want to just disappear. Then Wally finds an article. He's like, Split River High School has been chosen for a national pilot program to protect teacher, teachers and students from the threat of a nuclear strike. A fallout shelter will be built below the east wing of the school, the same location where fire destroyed the former chemistry lab on January 14th, 1958. Charlie's like, that must be Mr. Martin's fire. Does it mention him? So while he like reads... The authorities determined the fire was accidental. Two people were killed in a fire during a routine chemistry lesson. Beloved teacher, Mr. Everett Martin, and Charlie's like, two people? He said he was the only casualty. So Wally reads more. One student was also killed in a fire. Sophomore, and he like stops. Charlie's like, what? Wally points to the screen. Janet Hamilton. So they're like, why did they both lie to us? Because Janet says she died in electrical in in the they're like the radio room or whatever and mr martin says that he was the one that died so then simon is sitting across from sandra suggests that maybe they start off with what this award would have meant to maddie and she's like oh not much she's like maddie always thought this kind of stuff was silly and simon says well what do you think she'd say if she got the award she would say what's the point if there's not a cash prize maddie says to, you know don't let her talk her way out of this so she, she like, ask her what she remembers of that last day. So Simon's like, what do you remember of that day you came to school looking for Maddie? And she's like caught off guard. She's like, why are you asking me about that? He's like, for the speech. I thought if you remembered something meaningful, Maddie's like, she's going to bail. And then her mom's like, I shouldn't do this. You know what? You can accept the word and bring it by the house or keep it. Honestly, I don't care. He's like, I didn't mean to upset you. And she's like, really? You could have fooled me. Maddie's like, you can't just let her leave. Ask her about the necklace. You know, Sandra says that she shouldn't be there. And Maddie's like, ask her about the necklace. But it's like, how do you do that? So Simon's just like, why do you have Maddie's necklace? And then she stops. And then he like pulls it out. He's like, I know you told the cops you came to school the day Maddie went missing. I saw your car, but you said you didn't see Maddie. He's like, I know that's a lie because she was wearing this when she left study hall. Why'd you come to school that day anyways? 
He's like, Maddie told me you had to go away to some program. So like, why'd you come back? And she's like, that's why you're at the house today. So he sets a necklace down on a desk. He's like, why do you have it? She like touches it. She like sits and she puts her like her face in her hand. Maddie like looks closely and she like kind of touches the necklace. She's whispers. She's like, I remember. So we get a flashback. Simon calls Maddie to the window and then she goes out. She, she like and, and she's walking out the hall. She's like touching her necklace, so she's clearly wearing it. Her mom walks in like to the front. Maddie meets her, and she's like, "Hi, sweetie." And the present, Maddie says that she found her in the hallway that day. So why did she lie? So Simon's like, "Why did you lie about seeing her?" And Sandra's like, "Because I, I was ashamed about what happened that day. She found me, and then back to the flashback. Maddie's like, "Why are you here?" And she's like, I don't need to be in rehab. I'm sober. I feel great. It's a waste of money for me to be there. I have something really excited to tell you. And she's like, Mom, you can't be here. So Maddie pulls her aside, like into like the hallway, or whatever. Mom's like, So this guy I was in treatment with Alex. He told me about these great cabins up north. There's this new development. They're going for a really great deal. So I bought us one. And Maddie's like, That's impossible. We we don't have any money. We had to borrow to put you into rehab. And she like shakes her head and. She's like, we have money. It's like, I don't want you to overreact, but I used the money that was put aside when your dad died. But it's for us, for our future, so we can start over. Maddie's like, that was my college fund. And she, then her mom's like, all right, so we'll figure it out. Schools up there are, are not very expensive. She's like, I'm going to school in Chicago, mom. We talked about this. And her mom's like, why would you want to do that when it's so far away? And she said, because I don't want to stay with you. She just like lets it out. The bell rings. Maddie takes her mom down like stairs, and Maddie's like, she's like, I'm I'm gonna fix this right now. She's like, I'm I'm gonna call him. Her mom says, she's like, you're being a brat right now, and you're gonna ruin this beautiful moment. Maddie's like, just give me his info, and I'll call him and get it back. And she's like, you can't. I wrote him a cashier's check this morning. You just need to get over it. Realize I'm the adult here. And Maddie's like, yeah, adults are supposed to take care of things. They're supposed to be responsible for their lives for their kids no one has taken care of me since dad died you can't even take care of yourself mom that money was that money was for me from dad it wasn't yours to spend every day you wake up and you find a new way to hurt me i have to lie to my friends every day i have to pretend everything's okay and sandra kind of looks around you see the crowbar is off to the side of the hall she's like I have spent so much time and energy just trying to hide what a mess you are. You want to start a new life? I've spent so long just trying to survive this one, mom. It's like, you want to take everything that dad gave me? Go ahead. She takes the necklace off and like kind of tosses at her. It like lands on the ground. She's like, take this too. You can pawn it. Probably get 40 bucks for it. Buy yourself a fudging welcome mat. And she's like, mad. She's like, stop, Maddie. Just leave me alone. So mom picks up the necklace and leaves. Maddie's like crying. She sits on the floor, kind of like sobbing. She's like hugging her knees. So she's sitting in the, like the, the boiler room by the, the janitor's work area. In the present, Sandra's like, I just left her there. I went home. Maddie whispered, she's telling the truth. Sandra says that, you know, she was never trying to be a bad mom. She just was. So then uh, teacher, the, the history teacher walks in. She's like, there you guys are. It's like, we're about to get started. Simon tells Sandra, you know, go ahead. He's like, I'll catch up in a minute. Uh, he goes by Maddie, and Maddie's like, she killed my spirit, but she didn't murder me. And he's like, then who did? Nicole tries calling Simon, leaves a message, to call him as soon as he gets the message, um, then asks Claire 
if she, he's like, can you not breathe so loud? And they're like arguing stuff like that. Claire's like, what is your problem with me? And Nicole's like, uh, you hooked up with my best friend's boyfriend. And Nicole's like, well, you blackmailed somebody. And she's like, you black somebody too. Xavier's starting to get them to stop. He's like, see, he's like, we have some common ground here. <laughs> they just keep going, whatever. So then he gets out of the truck. He's like, you know, we've all messed up. We all owe Maddie something. He's like, no more waiting. He's like, I'm going in. And, you know, then he tosses his key like on the dash. It's like, why would you do that? It's like so stupid. Nicole's like, I'm going too. Then Claire's like, well, I'm going to go too. Nicole's like, no, you wait in the truck in case we need a getaway driver. Wally and Charlie, they go to the bomb shelter and they comment how it looks like it hasn't been touched in years. But Charlie notices like a box has been moved because like the dust on the shelf. And Wally you know, pulls down the box. There's a bunch of notebooks behind the box. And Wally's like, he's looking through it. He's like, these are our obituaries. So the notebook Charlie reads mentions subject has paranoia, is having memory loss and is requiring further study. Wally's like, this is, isn't this Mr. Martin's handwriting? So it's almost like, like kind of science observation notes. The school award things in the gym, split rubber string quartets playing. Teacher announces the English award for Madison Nears. Her mother is there to accept on her behalf. So she goes up. She's like, hi. She's like, uh, it, this is the f first time I've been in the gym here. It's like Maddie didn't do many school activities. Whenever she was honored for her grades, she didn't want me to come. So I know it seemed that Maddie was kind of hard to get to know. That was probably my fault. But I hope you all know, even if you didn't know her very well, maybe it didn't seem like it. She cared so, so much about everything. Her friends, going to college, me. She took care of me probably more than she should have had to. I just hope that all of you here know, even if you weren't close, that Maddie would have stood up for you. She would have helped you if you needed it because she was just that kind of person. She was really, really wonderful. And she's like, you know, crying. And I just wish someone had been there to stand up for her. I wish that I had been there for her. And she's like, excuse me. She's like, thank you. Mr. Martin walks up to Maddie, like in the bleachers where she's watching. He's like, it might not seem like it, but you're lucky. You're lucky you got this. He's like, you know, this goodbye. Maddie's like, I'm not sure if any of this makes any sense, but maybe if my mom is ready to say goodbye, so am I. I think I'm ready to write my obituary. In the old house, Nicole says that, you know, this is her worst nightmare. You know, this place is scary. Xavier's like, well, I'm here. He's like, I have your back. So he says, you know, look for food or any signs of, you know, someone living here. And he, and he likes looking around. He opens the basement door. And then they both get scared when they kind of see each other because, you know, they, they surprise each other. Then uh, he's like, I think this will go faster if we just split up. And she's like, split up. She's like, oh, yeah, great idea. So Nicole goes upstairs. Claire sees like lights from the window, you know, the flashlight. And then she sees someone walk up to the house. And as she gets out, she, keys are in the truck and the camera kind of zooms in on them. So it's like, what's up with that? Upstairs, Nicole's looking around, sees like a sleeping bag and stuff on the floor. So someone comes at her from behind. It's Claire. She's like, someone's in here. I saw someone come in. The wind's like been blowing and everything like that. It blows the door shut and they both like scream. So it's like, okay, now whoever's there must have heard them. They call Xavier. Uh, he goes for the stores, and then someone knocks him down. He gets up. Person runs out the door. Xavier follows. Person runs for the open truck door for some stupid reason. It's like, why would you run to an open truck and just get stuck there, get trapped in there? Because, like, how would they know that the keys would be inside? They get in, start up the truck, 
lock the doors. Xavier goes around the back, but then the truck backs up, knocks him down, and then it drives forward and leaves. Nicole, for whatever reason, decides to record the truck leaving. It's like, okay, you're recording Xavier's truck. Oh, someone's taking Xavier's truck. They're wearing a hoodie. What is that going to do? And Claire's like screaming at her. She's like, ask, you know, get help. Call 911. Because Xavier's just lying, like crumpled on the floor. And she's meanwhile recording the truck drive away. While he keeps reading Martin's notes, he um, sees a piece of paper with like the football play that killed him. He says, Mr. Martin's been documenting, documenting our deaths. Charlie finds another article about the fire. Janet's grieving parents, you know, demanded administration be held responsible for the daughter's death. After students say the fire was started at the hands of her teacher, Mr. Everett Martin. He's like, he told us the fire was a student's fault. And while he's like, none of these notebooks even mention Janet. Xavier kind of wakes up a little bit. Claire's like, oh, thank God. She's like, an ambulance is coming. He just asks, like, did you see the guy? And Nicole's like, she checks out the video. Xavier, he's like he's sitting up. He like touches back his head. There's like blood. There's like a, a lot of blood on his hand. Nicole sees something in the video. She whispers. She's like, what the? F-? You know, she whispers a WTF. Then she sends a video to Simon. And she's like, watch this now. And Xavier, meanwhile, passes out. Wally's like, we should confront him. You know, he owes us an explanation. Then the door creaks behind them, and it's Rhonda. She's like, what are you doing here? She's like, I told you to let us go. Charlie's like, you knew about this? You knew that he was treating us like test subjects? And, you know, he was never really helping us. She says that when Maddie got here, and there was like, stuff with her and her friend from the outside, she just had a feeling. So she started following him. She opens this, like, barrel container thing. Wally's game ball is in there. Charlie's letter to Emilio, and it's like right next to Rhonda's acceptance letter to Berkeley. So he's been hoarding all the stuff that they had with them when they died. And while he's, he's like, oh, I think I'm going to throw up. She's like, are we sure it's him? And she's like, who else knows everything about us? Who else you know, have we sat with for decades bearing our souls to? So she's like, I've been fooled like this before. She's like, I'm not going to let it happen again. But then the, the door to the bomb shelter shuts, and Wally's like, it's, it's locked. And Charlie's like, it shouldn't. It should reset. But it doesn't. So they're now they're stuck in there. Maddie finishes her obituary and she seems like relieved. Simon's like looking for her. He says that he has to talk to her. And she says that she has to say something first. She mentions that she was asked to write obituary when she first got there to help her move on. She was finally able to write it tonight. She wants to read it to Simon. She's like, I was born. It was really hard. But I had Simon. I know why we have this connection why you're the only person who can see and hear me because you're the only person who's never asked me for anything. You've never taken more than you're given. You're the only person I can count on. You're the only person I can trust. And you've only ever loved me unconditionally. I need you to know I love you too, Simon, in a way that's bigger than high school, bigger than family, bigger than life or death. You know, nobody makes it out of life alive but I'm really grateful I didn't have to make it out alone. And Simon like has tears and she's like, say something. He's like, I wish that was true. And Maddie looks a little confused. He looks at his phone and he holds it up. So there's a close up on a side mirror of the truck. He's like, that's who's been breaking into the houses who attacked Xavier tonight. So who's in the side view mirror? It's Maddie. What? How can Maddie have knocked Xavier over taking the truck when Maddie's dead and is a ghost? 
He's like, I don't know if this is real, Maddie. Maybe you're just some fudged up coping mechanism that I created to put off the pain, put off the pain of losing you. But if you're alive out there, I lost my mind. And she's like, no. He goes to leave. She's like, Simon, this is real. This is me. She's like, Simon, Simon, I'm real. Xavier's put into ambulance. Dad arrives. He gets into ambulance. I guess he leaves his cop car there. Nicole and Clara just like standing there like, what is going on? Simon walks out of school. He's just like leaving. Goes by the bus stop. Maddie yells. She's like, please, Simon. I know I can't explain what's happening, but I'm here. You're not crazy. He gets on his bike, starts walking. And then he stops. She goes after him, but then she hits the school boundary and is back by the boiler room as, as he turns around. So he sees it's empty. So now he's really going to think he's crazy. He gets his bike. Maddie screams in the boiler room. Then she hears, somebody help. It's probably coming from the bomb shelter. So flashback, when she's crying, there's a female muffled, somebody help me. So wait, someone else is saying this. She gets up, help, help. No, I don't want to. No. There's muffled chatter. Then you hear, you have to tell me exactly what did you feel? You have to tell me. Maddie opens the door and she sees Mr. Martin. And then he's like, don't move, Janet, don't move. She runs towards the door and through Maddie, sending Maddie flying back. And then it goes black. So Janet and Mr. Martin were in the bomb shelter doing something, some experiment or whatever. Janet goes to take off hits Maddie's body. So in the present, she hears, somebody help. She goes to the door. It's like stuck. Wally says that it's stuck on her side too. Rhonda yells. She's like, you can't trust him. Be careful. And Maddie's like, trust who? Then Mr. Martin is at the top of the stairs glaring down. And then she kind of like shudders. Someone is standing at a ticket booth, like shakily hands money over. The lady says that she's like, we prefer small bills. Then she's like, I need a name for the ticket purchase. And she's the person's like, Janet, uh, Maddie, it's Maddie. So Maddie is there buying a, a bus ticket. Then she sees a Maddie missing flyer. She tears it down, just like crumples it on the ground. And then she heads to the bus. She gets on one of them. I'm not really sure which one. I think it was D Detroit or maybe somewhere else. And she's going to leave. So <laughs> that was a crazy thing. Maddie's dead. And I think I said, it's like, well, maybe she's not dead. Maybe she's in a coma, but that doesn't explain how her ghost spirit is there. Whatever Mr. Martin experiment he was doing, I mean, if he's been documenting all this stuff, he's probably like trying to figure something out. So Janet runs out of, of the room, whether she intentionally, unintentionally, you know, Maddie was in a doorway, tries to run out, ends up going through Maddie so Maddie's body goes flying. So she must have hit her head or something like that. So maybe that's where the blood came from. But why is it on a crowbar? You know, because it could have splattered on the wall. And who took the crowbar? And, you know, whatever. It appears Janet somehow inhabited Maddie's body and has been hiding out and doing all whatever these horrible things. And now she's leaving town. So I, I, I don't know what's going And I don't know if there's a season two. I think the, the show has been doing good, like on Rotten Tomatoes. I haven't really, really been checking. But yeah, this is crazy. Um, I just, I wasn't expecting that.
And, and you know, I thought I would have been fine with just, okay, we find out who did it, that's it. But now, like, what are you going to do from here? And now, and Simon, poor Simon thinks he's crazy. Because, of course, when he looks back, Maddie disappeared into the boiler room because she hit the school, the, you know, the boundary. So now maybe he's like, maybe I am crazy. Maybe I'm not really seeing her. Oh, man. So that that was just crazy. I'm, I'm so glad I watched the show. And uh, Peyton Liss is, is, is great in here. You know, way, way better than Tori on uh, Cobra Kai. You know, she's had has more substance. You know, I, I love Tori on, on Cobra Kai, but she has a lot more substance to work with here. So this has just been such a good show. I'm bummed that it's over, but man, I really, really, I'm going to really be bummed if we don't get a season two because I, I, I would like to see more. All right, then we have The Mandalorian, season finale, season three, episode eight, chapter 24, The Return. Uh, one thing I, I, I don't know if I mentioned it last week. So last week's episode was called The Spies, and I don't think I ever really touched on anything or even thought about it, but it's like, wait, who were the spies? And after, yeah, I saw a lot of people talking about it. It's like, oh, the armor is a spy. It's like, why did she just conveniently leave right before, you know, all the, the poop hit the fan? Or... You know, was was Paz Vizsla the spy, or was Axe Wolves the spy? You know, it's like what? Who is the spies? I, and you know, to be honest, now that it's, it's, I still, after watching the season finale, I don't know who the spies were. I mean, am I totally missing something? Who spies for what? Because I don't know if there were any spies. Anyways, so with, with this one, the season finale, um, it was it was it was fine. It was it was a good episode. One of the things I I saw. I think it was like in my Facebook feed. I, I think I, I'll I'll name it. I think it was like a CBR that mentions, "Oh, get ready for." Uh, I don't remember the exact wording. It's basically it was like a tragic or emotional uh, season finale, and it's like, is someone going to die? Is Grogu going to die? Is Mando? One of my students is like, I think Mandalorian is going to die. Mandalorian is not going to die in his own show. Like, I guess he could. Anyone could die. And, you know, I, I, I was, is, could Grogu die? They, yeah, they could definitely kill Grogu because how come we haven't seen Grogu in any, anything else? And I, I, I joked with one of my students about this. And, and they're like, you can't. They, they're making so much money off Grogu. They can't kill him. But they, Darth Vader's dead. They're still making money off him. You, you could do it. But anyways, so it starts off. Bo-Katan and the others are running through the corridors. She calls Axe and tells him that Gideon is alive and using their homeworld as his base. He's flying up to the ship, so he, I guess he's the one that, that took off because I can't tell. He, she says that Gideon is sending up fighters to destroy the fleet, so evacuate everyone. Use the capital ship as a decoy because they they can't beat them in the air, so they're going to have to beat them on the ground. And he's he's like, I understand. He's like, I'm approaching the atmosphere. He's like, I have my orders. Then his comm starts cutting out because of the electrical interference or whatever. Then Bo-Katan and the others, they stay back because, you know, other people are running through, through the corridors, caves and stuff like that. So a couple of them stay back. The Imperials run up. They start shooting them, you know, but the their their lasers are just shooting off the, the super troopers. Beskar, is it Beskarian? Beskar armor. 
Mando's being dragged. A couple of super troopers are like carrying him. He's in his restraints, or whatever. Then he starts to resist. He like knocks him against a wall, you know, and kind of bumps him. Where he cuts the binds on on his feet. Then he throws his shoulders into one, and he like he he grabs like the one of the super troopers. Like he has a little blade like in their boots or something like that. So he grabs it, like kind of stabs one of them. The trooper uses a flame thrower on him. He he takes some blasts, but then he like ducks and rolls under it turns the flame on the other guy and then he grabs one guy snaps his neck it's like okay so that takes care of him the other trooper like shoots a, a cable around his neck from behind and pulls him he's like pulling the cable tight and then you hear no 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 so grogu's are in the ig80 ig12 um harness or whatever you want to call it he right he grabs a dude's blaster or whatever mando struggles and kicks him grogu like uh so the, the guy's gone he's he's down grogu starts like spraying him with something he's like no 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 he's like i'm okay i don't know if it was supposed to be like flame retardant something since he got burned but he said he was fine so he asked grogu to cut his his hands free he cuts him he's like thanks for the help and he says, he's like, I'm going to need you to be brave for me. He's like, if we don't take out Moff Gideon, this will never end. Are you with me? And Grogu nods. So it's like he's going after Gideon and he's bringing Grogu with him. Hmm. The Mandalorians continue running. They Then they like get into position. They're ready to like shoot back. Mando um, calls Bo-Katan, says that he's safe. He's with the kid. He's going after Moff Gideon. Does she have his location? And she's like, no, we're under attack. She's like, I have to get the troops to safety. So then we see several like TIE interceptors and, and whatever, TIE fighters, TIE bombers, TIE everything, TIE your shoe. They launch to, to go up after the fleet. Moff Gideon is told that the fighters and bombers have been launched. Their capital ship will soon be destroyed. And Gideon's like, but the Mandalorian has escaped. So he's like, I'll take care of him myself. Mandalorian calls R5-D4. He's like, hey, hey, buddy. He hates droids, but he's like, talk to him like they're, they're best friends, whatever. But I guess he is his droid, whatever, since that what's-her-name uh, gave him to him. He's like, I need you to access the, like, the base computers and get the location of Moff Gideon's command center. So he's like, you, you, you can do it. I know you can. So I think R5 is a little a little nervous, whatever. He jets down to the Imperial level. He gets there pretty easily. It's like, I don't even know how he found it so quickly. But he flies down there. So it's like, it looks all like Death Star corridors, you know, all polished and everything like that. He plugs into the computer, the round circle thing, starts spinning it to, to get the computer schematics. Then he sends them to Mando. Meanwhile, Mando and Grogu are heading over. Axe calls uh, the ship. The, the big cruiser lets them know that the scouting party has been ambushed by Imperial remnants. They're launching fighters to destroy the fleet. So he tells them, you know, load the gauntlet, send all available troops down as reinforcement, leave the capital ship behind as a decoy. Bo-Katan needs their help. And he's, he's like, you know, so at first it, it I really admired this part because, you know, the whole idea is like, is who's a spy? What's going on? Can you know, can we trust Axe Wolves? Because he wanted leadership and everything like that. But I really like how he just like he falls into place and he's doing exactly so far unless something's going to, you know, he's going to trick us. He He's doing everything Bo-Katan is asking. You know, he's like, you know, go do this. We, you know, she needs our help. We need to, you know, get down there. So he tells them all to go. He's, he's like, I'll take care of the cruiser. And so the, the drop ships fly down. TIE fighters, as, as they go down through like the clouds and everything, TIE fighters arrive and start shooting. Axe is like in the ship. He's starting to get rocked and everything like that. He tries shooting, you know, controlling the guns, tries shooting whatever he can, but he's the only one on the ship now. Mando and Grogu are sneaking about. 
they reached the command center. So they're at that place where there's like the barrier shields with like two guards per section. He calls R5 to deactivate them one at a time. So the first one's deactivated. He fights the two troopers. Um, he doesn't have any weapons. So he has to use their, their weapons, like it's just a little blade, whatever. The other troopers in next level, you know, they, they, they try opening the shields, but they're locked because I guess R5 locked them. So he takes the two out. Then he tells R5, he's like, okay, drop the next one. So they come at him with like the stun baton, shocker things, whatever. Now, he, now <laughs> because he, he fights them, he has a baton and a shield. He's like, R5, next shield. These two have shields and they're like waiting for him. So he charges, he ducks behind his shield. He, he's like jabbing at their feet and legs, which is really you know smart. You don't see this often, but it's like, okay, you got a shield, go around the shield. Don't just keep hitting the shield because it makes no sense. So then uh, there, he, there's like one, I think one left. He, they're like shooting at each other, but they're just hitting each other's shield. He has R5 to drop the next shield, but then a mouse droid, one of those Imperial mouse droids comes up at the R5 and it's like, beep, 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 whatever. So then R5 like disconnected from the, the computer and then he like zaps the mouse droid and it runs off. So then he goes back, hooks up, opens the next shield. Mando runs, slides, grabs a gun that's on the ground, shoots at them and everything, takes them out. They're, they're gone. He's like, R5. He's like, good job, buddy. But then four mouse droids come up to R5, D4, and there's like little mini sirens are going off. They surround him. So he just turns on his rockets and f- flies up. <laughs> so what are these little... I don't know what the purpose of these mouse droids. I knew it once upon a time, I remember. But it's like these things just like whiz about and they don't really do anything I don't uh, whatever Grogu catches up with Mando now they're in the room where it has all the tubes of clones so Mando tells him he's like wait here so he goes up to the other end by the like, computer terminal Grogu goes up to one and Mando's like that's not Gideon he's like those are his clones but then the, the clone and the, the tank opens its eyes and Grogu kind of gets scared and like moves back so Mando's at the controls he powers down the tubes and they start like exploding, like overloading or something like that. Bo-Katan and the others arrive at some underground caves. Uh, one of the pirate dudes says that they used to hide out there, the, the Mandalorian guys. They said that, you know, they've hid there since the purge. They have hideouts and food cache like throughout the surface of the planet. That's how they survive. They planted farms down there and everything. And Bo-Katan just like plants like indigenous food to the planet and everything like that. Bo-Katan's like, she's like, oh, I didn't know gardens could grow outside the dome cities because, you know, she saw gardens like that. And the, the dude's like, they just need broom to grow. Then the armor calls Bo-Katan that her reinforcements have arrived. But again, everyone's saying, it's like, oh, the armor must be a spy. Ships are approaching. Bo-Katan's like, let's take back our planet. They all fly up. The drop ships release the Mandalorians. They all fly together. Bo-Katan flies up next to the armor. She raises the Darksaber. Imperial troopers fly up. So then they just go towards at each other, like just big swarms. The super troopers, the Mandalorians flying at each other on jetpacks. Uh, Bo-Katan's slicing with the, the dark saber. Armor is like swinging her hammers. The others are shooting. It's just like big mess. Mando and Grogu walk into Gideon's room. The door behind them closes shut. And then the door at the opposite end open, opens. So they kind of like duck around at the corner. Gideon calls out, my clothes were finally going to be perfect. So then Gideon's like, the best parts of me, but improved by adding the one thing I never had, the force. I was isolating the potential to wield the force and incorporating it into my unstoppable army. And you smothered them before they could draw their first breath. So Mando ducks out, starts shooting. He hits Gideon's armor, but it bounces off. 
And it's like it's it's just too bad because Gideon standing there without his helmet. If he would have hit him in the head, it's over. But he 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 doesn't hit him in the head. And then Gideon shoots a rocket at them and flies into the other room. Mando flies at Gideon, like hits him. They fly back, but then he like Gideon flips Mandalorian like off him. He kicks Mando's gun away, starts like uh, hitting him, just like you know punching him like that. Then those stupid Praetorian guards come out. I don't know if Paz Vizsla is dead. I want to believe that he survived, but I'm pretty sure we don't, unless they showed him and I just missed him, he might be dead. I, I just, I, just, I don't, don't like that. So the stupid guards come up because, of course, Gideon can't fight by himself. Mando ducks and he starts kicking, but you know he's, he's doing okay, but then they start to pin him down because they have those big vibro staffs or whatever. Then Grogu comes in babbling and then, no, no, no. So uh, Mando's kind of down. The, pro, the, the guards, they approach Grogu. Grogu kind of backs up, and now he's going into the other room. Mando, like, gets up. He's like, no. But then stupid jerky Gideon shoots Mando in the back with a mini rocket. The door closes. Uh, so Grogu's in the other room alone with, with these three super elite fighting guards. Mando gets up to run, but then Gideon shoots a cable around his neck again to stop him from going over there. So Mandalorians versus the Super Troopers fight continues. They're all flying through, swinging at each other, shooting armor, swinging and stuff like that. IG-12 is getting beat by the, by the Praetorian guards, loses a leg, goes down. They swing down at Grogu, but then he force leaps out. He up, there's like this kind of like almost like circu- half circular arc of lights, like two, like almost a whole circle of lights above the, in, the, in the room. So Grogu is up there kind of like running and they're like kind of like trying to hit at the lights, trying to get him. And then it's, it's like as he's, he's running and flipping, it's almost like Grogu is laughing. <laughs> it's like maybe he thinks it's fun. But this is not. This is dangerous. Could this be the end of Grogu? Gideon kicks at Mando while he's down. Of course, he hits him with his flames. Mando gets up and swings. Gideon. I think Gideon's suit is like enhanced. You know, because you keep hearing just like rotors or something like that. So he he must have like super strength the way he's fighting everything. Because Moff Gideon is just a big piece of poop, <laughs> and and he's like going toe to toe. He's almost, you know, he's, he's kind of got like the advantage over Mandalorian, which doesn't make sense. But then Bo-Katan's up above. She flies down at him, hits, you know, hits Gideon, knocks him over. Then she says to Mandalorian, she's like, I've got this. She's like, go save your kid. He picks up, picks up his blaster and leaves. Gideon gets up. Bo-Katan Kreese, what's going to be this time? Surrender or fight? She ignites a dark saber. He opens like this like long staff like stun staff vibros whatever these things are called um grogu's still running around the lights and then part of it gets sliced off and he falls and a bar lands on on top of him so it's like he's pinned underneath he starts to like lift it with the force but then the three guards prepare to strike him all at once but then mandalorian comes in shooting at them he shoots one down but you know they they are kind of wearing armor and stuff like that so it's just kind of stun stuns one dude then his arm gets wrapped it's like in a vibro it's not a mace, but it's like a big, long, whatever, chain thing like that. So his, his arm's held. The other one gets his other side. And then the third one gets up to to shoot him or whatever, do something. Or not shoot him, but they get stab him. But then Grogu force shoves that guy to the side. 
Gideon, Bo-Katan continue fighting. Mando and Grogu start fighting together. Grogu's like, you know, shoving weapons aside. He stops a staff that comes like swinging down at them. Mando shoots at their feet, at their body. And then finally, eventually, they're down. And then he's like, you did good, kid. Speaking of coming down, the capital ship is, is coming down. It's like in flames. It's, it's just been attacked by all the Thai bombers and Thai fighters and everything like that. So Axe calls Bo-Katan and Koska. He says that he's coming in hot. He's going to take out the base. So get everyone out of there. Bo-Katan, she's feeling some pain in her gut from getting hit. With, I don't know if she got stabbed. I don't know if these things are penetrating the armor or around the armor. Then Gideon's like, hand over the dark saber, and I'll give you a warrior's death. She just like screams, charges at him, swings and kicks. Then then she goes to swing at him again. He catches her hand, and then he like squeezes her hand and damages the dark saber and damages her hand probably. I think. So I, I think her hand must be broken the way she's holding it. But then you know, so she's down. He just easily takes off her helmet. I I don't understand this. I feel like there should be some safety latch or something to, to keep it on because as they're moving about if it's just a matter of of putting it on and off as they're flying about that thing's going to fall off because there's nothing holding it at least like with a football helmet you have straps under your chin you know motorcycle helmets on there pretty tight it's not going to go flying you know a, a regular helmet you know you you got straps but these things you just just lift it on and off i i just don't understand it and for for a, a group of people whose whole thing is about not having their face revealed or anything like that you pin them down whoosh, helmets off you're you're done even batman has like booby traps in his cowl so no one can take it off i, I just think they need to do something about that so uh he's like the dark saber's gone and then he like zaps at her, you know, stabs her, whatever, shocks her. And he's like, you've lost everything. Mandalorians are weak once they lose their trinkets. Even though Mando has been fighting everything when he had no weapons. But then she's like, Mandalorians are stronger together. Gideon gets shot in the shoulder from behind. Mando and Grogu approach. And then Bo-Katan and Mando are sh shooting at him. He's shooting back. Cruiser is approaching. It's, it's getting closer and closer. Axe sh shoots out a window like the glass. He flies out. Mandalorians are also flying out of the cave as the ship comes crashing down. Mando's is getting shot at a bunch of time and he like falls to his knee. Bo-Katan runs up with her like shield on, on her wrist thing, her electro shield, and like starts to block him. Grogu shoves at Gideon with the force. Sparks are flying from the cruiser coming down. So it's like these sparks are really close to, to Grogu. Gideon tries shooting at Grogu and I think Grogu might have blocked it with the force. Then Mando comes and Bo-Katan puts her shield in front of Gro to Grogu and then they're they shoot at him the flames start coming he's like standing there and his arms are out and he's like Aah! flames come behind him engulf him with flames because the, the cruiser's down everything's just like exploding and stuff like that whole base go, is just in flames goes up you know whoosh, fire everywhere so th 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 that little circular shield is not going to protect them they are toast but then we see inside, Grogu is holding the flames back. He made like a force bubble. Mando and, and Bo-Katan are just like watching in awe. And then uh, the flames kind of like go away. Grogu just like plops down on his bottom when the fire passes because it probably took a lot of energy out of him. Afterwards, it's over. Mandalorians are standing by the living waters. Or was, is that what they're called? The, I forgot what they're called. Um, it's like some are beating the drum. So ceremony armor swears in the, the, that kid um, Rengar, I, which I think is Paz's kid. So again, is Paz dead? 
then Mando and Grogu like walk in and he sets Grogu down on like on the steps. He says to Armor, Grogu is my apprentice. He is no longer a foundling. Add him to the song. She's like, he is too young to speak. So he, he is too young to take the creed. He must remain a foundling. And then Mando's like, if his parent gave permission, couldn't he then become a Mandalorian apprentice? She's like, yes, but his parents are far from here if they are even alive. Mando's like, then I will adopt him as my own. And Grogu is like, he looks at him and armor kind of turns at him. She's like, this is the way. This is the way. And then to everyone, she's like, let it be written in song that Din Djarin is accepting this foundling as his son. And to, to Grogu, she's like, you are now Din Grogu, Mandalorian apprentice. And then everyone in her is like, this is the way. She says, you must leave Mandalore and take your apprentice on his journeys just as your teacher did for you. Mando's like, this is the way. Grogu then like looks down at the water and he like babbles, whatever. Then down below, we go deep, deep into water. And one of those big Mandalorian, whatever, horned creatures just like opens its eye. Armor hands Bo-Katan a torch. Bo-Katan lights the Great Forge. Whoosh! And Axios, you know, everyone's like, tush, tush, like banging their wrists together. And then Axios out, for Mandalore. I was like, for Mandalore, for Mandalore, for Mandalore. Then it cuts to, we see Mandalorian's uh, ship arrives at that Republic Cantina. Captain Carson Teva. It's like, all he do is just hang out in this cantina. So Teva, he's like, oh, Mando, let me buy you a drink. And Mando's like, he's like, thanks, but I'm here on business. Teva's like, we really appreciate what you did. You made our jobs a lot easier. And Mando's like, we've both been chasing Moff Gideon. You would have gotten him eventually. I just got there first. So Teva kind of laughs. Then he sees Grogu admiring the trophies above the bar. And then there's like Stormtrooper helmets and stuff like that. But there's an IG head. And, you know, he's like babbles and points. Mando's like, it's not him, kid. To Teva, he's like, one of them reminds him of someone he knew. He's like, I have a business proposition. This youngling is my apprentice. And Teva's like, what does that have to do with me? He's like, I'm a bounty hunter by trade. Now that he's with me, I'll be more selective in my assignments. You don't have the resources to protect the outer rim, let alone hunt down Imperial remnants. And I need work. So Teva's like, let me get this straight. You want to work for the New Republic? Amanda's like, on a case-by-case basis, an independent contractor. He's like, hmm. He's like, you know this is against regulation. It'll never get approved, which is why you won't tell them. Tava's like, let me think about it. Amanda's like, you already did. It's a good deal, and you know it. Is that so? And he's like, all I require is a small advance. What I want in return is that. And he points to the IG head. A scrap assassin droid head? He's like, I need it for parts. So then on Navarro, Grief Karga says, he's like, the people of Navarro appreciate all you've done, Mando. He's like, I want to give you this deed to a cabin just outside of town where you can lay low with your new family if you choose so. And he's like, between adventures. Mando's like, thank you. They shake their hands. Then Karga leans, leans over to Grogu. He's like, and that goes for you too, Din Grogu. And Mando's like, and I have a gift for you as well. And then the Anzellans exclaim, like, Greetings, citizens. I am IG-11, your new marshal, your new marshal of Navarro. I am here to serve and protect the citizenry, blah, 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 blah. Citizens applaud. Then at the cabin, Mando sits like out front, like on the porch. It's not really a porch, but it's kind of a porch. Grogu is just levitating a frog by the pond. Then he like drops him into the water. The end. That's it. So there was no tragic 
I know what I don't know what was so tragic. Um, Paz Vizla may be dead, but that was last episode. Um, everyone survived, other than that, I think, unless I'm forgetting something. So it, it was a good episode. It was fine. I I don't know if I was just expecting too much. And, you know, this was a weird season because if you think about So the whole season, this wasn't really about the Mandalorian. It was about Mandalore, which is fine, totally fine. And this was – it seemed like this was more about Bo-Katan and gaining power, you know, leading the people and, and you know, claiming her position or whatever, all that. So it was just, it was just kind of weird. And so, you know, Grogu now is an apprentice. Okay, you know, so we got some progress there and everything, but – it, it was it was just it was just like a good episode. It wasn't like an amazing, you know, knock my socks off or anything. So I'm not complaining, but it was just it, it was it felt like a very safe episode. Is Gideon God, she's Gideon better be gone this time. He was still in his armor, so like could he survive the flames? Maybe, I don't know. But oh, move on. Get get someone else. It's like enough of Gideon. But that was it. So um, I don't know if there's a season four because, you know, Dave Filani is supposed to be directing a movie that's going to tie in characters from Mandalorian and his other stuff. So I don't know if that's when we'll next see them. I don't know. But that was it. So that is the way. That was the episode. That was the Mandalorian. And now Star Trek Picard season three, episode 10, The Last Generation. So this is it. This is the end. And I'll just say right now, I, I did enjoy this. I enjoyed this series. I enjoyed this, this episode. It, this, it's kind of weird. Uh, this season has been like Next Generation Reunion. And I think that that's something that people, probably a lot of like hardcore fans would have wanted, I think. I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm so out of touch. Because I'm not, I'm not a diehard Star Trek anything fan. I, I really like Next Generation. You know, I've mentioned that several times. There's something about just a character and everything. And going, looking back at them, it, sometimes it looks a little cheesy, a little little cheap, you know, because it's just outdated when the production and whatever. But there's just a, a lot of cool things that came out of that and a lot of cool characters. So I, I've been enjoying this, this series, and I don't know how other people feel about it. But the, the the first season is like each season has been kind of different, which is kind of cool in a way. You know, there there's been some connections, but it it's it, it's just it's it's like a weird thing. And and this yeah, so I I've I've enjoyed it. I I am bummed that it's over. Um, I I part of me kind of wishes that I was into more of the other Star Treks, but I feel also now it's like there's there's I don't even know where I would begin. Like I don't know if. Each Star Trek is as good as the other Star Trek. I don't know what one I should do, what ones I should avoid. So I don't don't even know. I I I, I would need help to 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 deal with that. Now, if they decide to do any spinoffs off of what, especially like the stuff that happens here, I would definitely be on board with that. Um, you know, I I did want a spinoff with Todd Dashwick. Um, captain shaw but we know that's not going to happen so starting with this there's like a message from president anton chekhov which is you know a nice callback that we we know that you know the chekhovs are still around he's you know calling emergency channels like do not approach earth you know the young have been compromised by the borg you know our fleet has been taken you know they they've found 
they haven't found a way to unassimilate the young yet. And then, but then he's got to say, he's like, I know what my father would say to hope is never lost or whatever. And then the connection fits because you're someone's like, like, sir, we got to get you, you know, safety, whatever. Worf says that the, the fleet has initiated an attack formation against earth. Rikers asks, he's like, well, where the heck is a Calvary? And data says emergency um, hails have gone silent. She's like, we are the Calvary. So they've detected one vessel by Jupiter the planet Jupiter, so they, they go to they head over by it, and it seems that they've hit a transwarp conduit. So, first of all, I was like, What the heck does that mean? A tr- there's a transwarp conduit inside the gases of Jupiter, or something like that. So, then they they kind of zoom in on that, it's broadcasting to the collective. So, it's it's I think it's like a regular Borg cube, but it, it because it's like in like the gases, so you don't see the whole thing. So part of it, because first you just see like a bunch of like spike spires, whatever, like sticking out, but it's really the the, the cube. So there's like you know all this uh, indistinct uh, Borg, whatever chatter, and then it's Jack. So Jack is the the command signal, and in Picard's like the only way to save the fleet to save Earth is to sever that connection, no matter the cost. And he's like, what began 35 years ago ends tonight. So they head into the gas. Um, there's a, you see like this, it, and it, it's like huge because you, you see the Enterprise and it, it kind of zooms out and this thing is massive. It's like you, it, the Enterprise is like a speck. So the fleet is attacking others in formation and then on, on the Titan, you know, they're like fire, fire, fire. And then they're like unsanctioned, you know, move, movement on deck five, eliminate all assimilated. So we see seven. She's just like angry. She's with a few survivors, including Raffi. You know, they're, they're fighting back against the, the assimilated. They head to the bridge. And it's weird because so they're, you know, they're, obviously they're not going to shoot. They're not, or they're not going to kill the assimilated because they're hoping that they can be saved somehow. But as soon as they, they shoot at them, you know, because we're assuming it's like they were stunning them before, but as soon as they shoot them, they like, they they beam out so it's like was this a way to save them where the borg are you know beaming them out of there but then they end up in the transporter room so they go to like walk out and then they're like locked in so it's like what's going on so the others have rigged a transporter beam to their rifles so it's like they they i think rafi or someone called it like a portable beam me up so basically you get shot with this you get beamed out of there so they're like it's like they're shooting a transporter at you so it's a way to, you know, they're, they're trying to clear them out, put them in a transporter room and locking them in. So at least it gets them out of the way. So Seven tells a couple of dudes, you know, lock the bridge doors. And then she tells, um, go to your stations. And this one dude's like, uh, I'm just a cook. And she's like, well, you were a pilot. She's like, you're a pilot now. So they have to remove themselves from the formation before the Borg, the, the collective realizes that they're now in charge. And Enterprise Deanna says that you know she's never felt something like this before. It's like a quiet suffering. Data's like so much pain, so much misery inflicted on so many. He's like, I hate them. So it's weird that you know now that Data's kind of human or human-ish, you know he's feeling all these emotions, and you know it's that's all new for him. Deanna, um, she can Deanna can detect Jack, uh, but he's totally consumed by the collective. Worf asks. You know, what if he's beyond the point of no return? And they're like, no, they're like Jack is still there. Data detects that the collective shields 
are lowering and the weapons are redirecting. So Picard's like, it's an invitation. So they need to find this beacon and they need to sever it. So Data tries looking for Jack, but there's just like so much interference or anything. Then Beverly tells the computer, like isolate the brainwaves, something or other, whatever. And she's able to find a human brain versus like all the Borg on there. So she's like, that must be Jack. Because, you know, he's not fully converted. So he's like the only kind of human there. So Picard wants to go down and bring him home. Riker's like, well, you're not going alone. <laughs> and Worf's like, and I'll make it a threesome. And Riker's like, do you even hear yourself? <laughs> uh, they wouldn't have said that next generation. Data says, he's like, well, I have experience with the Borg. I should go too. And Picard's like, it's like no, you're needed on the Enterprise because, you know, there's no telling what the Borg will do next. Data kind of protests. And but you know Picard's like insistent, and it's it's a good thing that Data didn't go. Deanna gives Riker a long look before they leave, and Picard's like, "It's been an honor serving with you all." So this is the last episode. Uh, so it's possible not everyone's going to make it. So keep that in mind. They beam onto the Borg ship, the cube. There's no movement or sound. Riker says that a cube this size should have like thousands of assimilated. They see like a deceased Borg just like hanging there and it's like it's being cannibalized. So it's like it's being used, I guess, to is like fuel or whatever being consumed to keep things going. There's like some other ones or whatever. And Borg says that the place is just a tomb. Beverly calls and says that Jack's signs are coming from one level below them. Picard says he's like below the transporter room. And Riker's like, how could you know that? Beverly says that it's possible with what that they've what what they've learned that some small part of Picard is still compatible with the hive, and Picard says that uh, that that's why he knows that they have to part ways. He can no longer be their captain, so now he has to be a father. So he's like, "Go find a beacon," and then he tells Will, "He's like, thank you." He's like, "It means so much to me." And Riker's like, "You know that I know." And Worf's like, there's two turns of phrase a Klingon refused to admit to knowing. Defeat and farewell. So they split up. Picard tells Beverly to lead him to their son. Um, then she starts to kind of cutting out. And then he finds Jack. Uh, the closed caption referred to him as Vox, because that's what you know they call him last episode. So and he's sending out a message. You know, he's like, your culture will will evolve to serve the future. Peace and prosperity will spread across the galaxy. You will be assimilated. You will exist in a universe without fear, a universe without loss, unbroken, perfect. And Picard's like, Jack, I'm here. I'm here to take you. And then there's a female laughing. The board queen's like, home. She's like, he is home. You are home. At last, Locutus has returned to his true family, to his collective, to me. It's like, shut up, Borg Queen. Uh, the fleet continues firing. Rafi says that there's a Starfleet ship near a Borg cube. And she's like looking at the reading. She's like, it's NCC 1701D. And Seven's like, the Enterprise? It's like, they're engaging the Borg. And Rafi says... That thing is ancient. And Seven's like, they're not tied to the new system, so they can't be controlled like the rest of us. So they need to find a way to do the same thing. There must They must be making a play to shut down the collective, so they need to buy them as much time as they can. And it seems that the, the fleet is using like line-of-sight propagation. So if they can't see them, they can't control them. So Seven orders a crew to scramble the, the fleet shields. There's like, I guess, all these codes or prefixes or something, whatever. And... 
but the, the problem is that they can't fire while while they're cloaked so they're gonna have to do this fast so they're gonna be like doing stuff and the cook's like us against the entire fleet and then the others kind of look at her she stands she's like i'm not asking you to give your lives for nothing she's like i'm asking you to fight for what's below your families your children the borg have taken our crew taken our captain but in this moment here and now we are all that is left the starfleet it is up to us so that right there i mean I, I i i mean who doesn't love seven of nine i mean she she's such a such an interesting complex great character <laughs> and uh probably like a, a big reason why a lot of people watch star trek voyager and i i just love that you know she's been through so much she's just like this hardened warrior in a way and you know she's just fighting for acceptance and you know because she's earned her her rights i mean she's done so many cool things just in this series and, and stuff that we picked up but just like here just her struggle and just like you know fighting for her position and everything and to give this speech you know whether whether it's cheesy or not but it is inspiring and that's something that you know you want in a captain and that's something you know like what you say it's like heck yeah i'll follow you i mean this is like a suicide mission uh, i'm there you know tell me what you want me to do so I, I really, really like how she's written here. So um, then Rafi's like cloaking device online. And then she's like, what a captain. And then she's like, engage. Seven <laughs> says that. And then the, the Titan cloaks. Picard's yelling at the queen, what have you done? And she's like, she says something like, what, what could she do? You know, she only has her words and the soft assurances of a mother's love. He's like, you are not his mother. And then pew, 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 shoots at her. But she, there's like a force field or something to get her. So she's just like laughing. And you know, she's like, until recently, there was no collective left. There was only I. It was an unimaginable loneliness, one which Jack and I shared. And Picard's like, you're a liar, a deceiver. You wormed your way into his head. And then she's like, he found me where you left us at the edge of space to die. And he's like, let him go. He's like, take me. I'm the one you want. You're equal. And she's like, no, I don't want you, Locutus. The future of Borg does not lie in assimilation, but evolution. Worf and Riker still searching for the beacon. They're, you know, they got like a sensor scanner thing. It's like beeping faster and faster and then it stops. So Worf accesses a cube schematics, whatever he calls the Enterprise. He's like, you know, prepare to receive transmission of the beacon's coordinates. And then at that moment, we see an inert Borg nearby opens his eyes. So that's not good. Picard tells the Queen that she's insane. Um, she consumed what little the collective she had left. The Queen's like, you know, it was only to sustain herself long enough to arrive at this moment to invite him picard here to witness and he's like witness what and she's like your future's end seven's like fire at will so they fly and they're shooting uh, the collective is trying to reassimilate them so they have to cloak again evasive maneuvers are flying around and all over Riker finds a broadcast emitter he sends the coordinates another borg then opens his eyes or its eyes and then another one does too so this isn't looking good for them Picard's going on and on about the, the you know the queen struck a deal with Vatic and her changelings to be her weapon across the galaxy. She's like they too shared the anger against Starfleet. Together we weaponized your biology. They no longer need to consume in order to propagate, procreate, and you know across the stars. A new generation of Borg born with a single purpose, not just to simulate but to annihilate all. But it's like okay, I'm not really clear exactly what that means. So you want to annihilate everyone? You want to kill everyone? But you you need to keep feeding and keep 
assimilating more people, but they're not assimilating, they're evolving. I don't know. If you annihilate everyone, you're not going to have any sustenance or whatever. Worf and Riker, they have to fight uh, Borgs. Worf gets, he gets shot a couple times when keeps fighting. Finally, he's like almost out of commission. He tells Riker, he's like, the sword. <laughs> and Riker tries lifting it. He's like, I had no idea it was this heavy. Worf tells him, he's like, the hilt. And then uh, Riker pulls it, like separates it, like pulls something out. The Titan is getting hit. Rafi says that they're using predictive algorithms to find him. So it's like, even though they're they're cloaked, they're still finding where they're at. They're predicting where they're you know to shoot. Um, so it turns out that in in Worf's sword there was a phaser in there, and Riker shoots the two Borgs. They go down, and then uh, the Enterprise is getting hit too. Jordy tells Beverly that he didn't have time to set up the weapon system, so she'll have to do it manually. Then she's like, "Fire torpedoes, lock on target, blah blah, you know, whatever, all this stuff." And then. There's like some direct hits, and then they, they they all turn and look at her, and she's like, "A lot's happened in the last twenty years." So now, you know, Beverly, who never really did anything before, she's like a badass too. Riker says to Worf, "He's like, you had this, you know, the phaser. He's like, you had this in here the whole time, and you didn't think to use it." And Worf's like, "Swords are fun." The Enterprise gets a clear read on the beacon. The bad news is that it's in the heart of the cube. So Jordy's like, "The only way to take out the hive is to take out the beacon." But it's going to be impossible. They're looking at like the the path inside the cube. You know, it's just like it's just crazy maze. He he, Jordy's like, you know, his daughter couldn't even navigate through this. Then Data moves, you know, the, the, the to the control part. He's moving the ship. She's like, I got this. And he's like, trust me, statistically and probably it's impossible. But my my gut tells me I can do this. Jordy's like stares at him and he's like thinking. He's like, all right. He's like, we'll go with Data's gut. And then Data's like, here goes nothing. And Deanna's like, wait, what, what do you mean nothing? And he's like, hang on. So Data flies the Enterprise inside the cube. So it's kind of like Return of Jedi, Millennium Falcon going inside the Death Star, but whatever, it's, it's still kind of cool. And he's like flying all over the place. Because again, the Enterprise is teeny tiny compared to the cube. The cube inside, which is weird, it's like shooting at him from inside. So there's all these laser guns inside the cube good for them precautions i guess why is there a path in there i don't know why was there a, a exhaust portal pipe thing in a death star that could be blown up so then uh deanna's like why am i sensing enjoyment because because uh, you know data's like flying it they're going all over the place data has this big grin on his face um so then a giant space dock thing has fallen planetary shields are down there's nothing left to defend earth and this alarm goes off and Rafi says that the, the fleet is targeting every major city. And Seven's like, prepare another stra stra strafe, strafe run. And, <laughs> but then they somehow get hit. And Rafi's like, our cloak is gone. So the simulated crew members, oh, they, they broke their way uh, out of the, I don't remember if I mentioned it, but they, they managed to pry open the, the doors in the transporter room, just like, like pulling it open. And so they're, they're at the, the cloaking engine that they stole from one of the, the whatever ships, and they just like shot it and destroyed it. So the, the cloak engine thing is gone. Picard tries uh, talking to Jack. You know, he's trying to get him to listen. The Queen's like, because, you know, he, he's like pulling stuff. He's like, if you disconnect him, he won't survive. His mind will go into unsurvivable shock or something like that. And she's like, only he could choose to leave now. He's too far gone. And Jack's just like, fire, fire, fire. <laughs> Almost like, like Cornholio. <laughs> fire, fire. 
uh, anyways, um, I was going to say, I didn't realize there's Beavis and Butthead show season two started. I didn't know there was a season one. That's why I'm also on Paramount Plus. The Titan takes a direct hit. All systems are non-responsive. A crew member says that the Borg are headed to the bridge. Seven's like, you know, without the cloak, they're dead in the water. The Borg Queen says, we've already won, Lucutus. All the cities are getting target or target locked or whatever. Data continues fly, flying the Enterprise and he's like shooting. The the cube is like starting to rock and stuff like that. The the queen is like actually a little surprised. And then the Enterprise reaches the beacon. Beverly is like you know she's preparing to fire, but Jordy's like, wait. Um, he's like, Data, are you seeing this? And he's like, firing on it would cause a cataclysmic chain reaction. We destroyed a beacon. We destroyed a cube. So Deanna says, and everyone on it. If we fire, we kill everyone on there. If we wait, the rest of the, the galaxy gets you know consumed or, or die, gets killed. So Jordy turns Beverly, and she slowly kind of nods her head. Jordy calls Riker. He says that they have a lock on him and Worf, but they can't find Picard. So he's like, prepare to beam. And Worf's like, belay that order. He's like, I can't leave him. So Deanna just like closes her eyes. She's like, Will, the moment we fire, you'll have a minute to get out at most. And Will's like, I owe him a lifetime. The least I can spare is a minute. He's like, I'll see you soon. Riker out. So Worf says to Riker, for a moment, I was worried that we might actually make it out alive. So they've crossed into the dead zone. Comms are out. Picard keeps pulling cables from Jack. He says that he vowed he'd never return to the collective. He says he's been running half his life until now, but now he has something to go back for. The Queen's like, stop! Riker and Worf arrive just to see Picard plug the cable. He jabs into his neck, and he starts getting assimilated. And he's like, I am Locutus. Resistance is futile. And then in this like weird digital whatever world... Thing, Picard standing in front of Jack and Jack's he's like I can feel them all of them so many voices joyful welcoming me everything is joyful no loneliness no fear it's perfect and then Picard's like Jack this euphoria isn't real this is death and Jack's like this is where I was meant to be and then Picard's like I was the same I joined Starfleet to find the family I didn't have I let them in but there was always a barrier I too thought that there was something wrong with me and i waited i waited in that vineyard waiting to die alone but now i realize you are the part of me that i never knew i was missing and then jack's like you know he, that kind of like hits him a little bit but then he's like no he's like this was written before my birth he's like let me be i'm sur surrounded you know I, i'm carried this is where i belong and on enterprise jordy's like we're out of time he's like let's just hope that they have a little time you know they have some time left and he's like doctor Beverly nods, and Jordy's like, target the beacon, fire torpedoes. But he says, like, through gritted teeth, because, you know, he doesn't want to give that order. Beverly hits the controls. Pew, pew, pew. So the queen's like, no. Riker says, and asks Worf, he's like, is this good enough? And he's like, it's a fine day, indeed, to die with honor. Data tries scanning for them. There's interference from, like, the shockwaves. Picard's like, then if you won't leave, I'll stay with you till the end. And he puts his hands like on, on his chest. He's like, you have changed my life forever. And he embraces Jack. And there's flashback memories. Jack closes his eyes. He's thinking, you know, just like some glitching, whatever. He opens his eyes and <gasps> he's awake. 
and then like reality he pulls the cables out the queen grits her teeth picard tries like pulling his cable out jack has to yank it out then they just like stare at each other and and you know then Riker is like i love you imzadi which is a betazid for word for beloved and he's like we'll be waiting me and our boy because Riker's like we're gonna die diana whispers and she's like i know where they are so she goes to the controls because she can sense Riker. The queen's like, you were born here and you will die here. Jack's like, it's done. The time of the Borg is over. And then she's like, even if you survive, you'll be different, changed, broken, alone. And he's like, no, no, I'm not alone. And then there's this bright light. And then you see like above their heads, the Enterprise is like hovering over them. And then all four beam up. Then you hear Borg voice command signal interrupted. Continue last directive. So the assimilated reach the bridge, everyone has their phasers up, and then the queen screams and is consumed by flame, just like, you know, huge, whatever, wall of flame, like, it just envelops her. The cube starts to explode, the Enterprise flies away. Then the, the assimilated, they, they start to regress back to normal, like all of the back, black, the black, craggly lines on their face, whatever, just starts going away. And then they're staring at each other, and then everyone, like, lowers their, their guns. Seven, she's like, they did it. And Sydney's like, oh, I'm sorry. And then Seven hugs her. She's like, it's over. Which was, a, like, a sweet moment that, you know, because Sydney, they probably realize what they've done, and they're not in control. And, you know, she feels bad. And, and Seven's like, this is why I like Seven. One of the reasons I like Seven. Picard returns to the bridge, with Jack, and he's still in a Borg outfit, which I'd be like, uh, um, Beverly looks at him, then they embrace, Riker comes up to Deanna, smooch, hug, uh, Jordy and Data, they like shake hands, Worf sits next to them, <laughs> the Titan calls over, and then, then you know, they look at, at Worf, and he's like snoring right away, Jack um, has his arms around both his parents, and Picard's like, welcome to the Enterprise. So the Enterprise and Titan are flying. Uh, Riker does like Captain's Log, Stardate 1, whatever. Um, He says that Starfleet has implemented a fleet-wide transport solution to purge your young officers of the Borg infection. So again, the the Borg snuck some code into the transporter. So when your body... This is why teleporting is, is dangerous. So when your body is torn apart, whatever, and then put back together, you had this new bit inside you which has made them susceptible to being assimilated or evolved or borg or whatever so they have a way to like purge that out of the system um they did it was developed by their new head of medical branch admiral Cr- uh, crusher she's also come up with technology to scan for other irregularities and we see like a, a changeling just apprehended before transporting whatever uh, so it seems that they're changing adversaries uh kept but did not kill many of their targets since you know they need them for information if they're posing as someone else they need to you know find out more whatever secrets and stuff then we see tuvok so he's he's back he's he's like the command crew of the uss enterprise is receiving a full pardon for commandeering or better yet hijacking this very ship with your help so he's talking to seven he's like you disobeyed a direct order from your captain as a result Starfleet Command has ordered me to, and Seven's like, let me let me make this easier for you. She's like, clearly, my judgment, my instincts don't fall in line, and that is why I'm resigning from Starfleet. So it's just like, dude, come on, Seven. 
Um, Tuvok has like this disc in his hand. He's like, this was sent to Starfleet Command before you entered the Riton system. He like slides it over. He's like, it's your officer review. And she kind of like scoffs. So she like looks at it and she plays it. So it's Captain Shaw. And he's like, that leads me to First Officer Hansen. More accurately, Seven of Nine. And he like sighs. He's like, hell, I'm a relic of an older time. By the book, by God, the book is boring. He's like, Hansen is reckless. She's unrelenting. She doesn't give a damn about protocol or procedure. He lets out another sigh. He's like, however, she's brave and loyal. And the book she writes is going to be great. And the rules she break, maybe they were broken to begin with. So in light of that, I have a recommendation for promotion to captain when we return to port. And then Tuvok's like, resignation denied, captain. So Shaw, he, he gave a, a good review for her because he realized that, you know, it seemed he was so angry, like he didn't want to call her seven and nine. He would, you know, insist on calling her, you know, whatever, Hanson. So he actually gave a good review for her. Rafi listened to this message from her son, you know, because he's like, you saved us all. He's like, we're eager you know, to see you, including, you know, your granddaughter. And you see her come up. She's like, oh, she's kind of shy or whatever. Worf comes in. And he's like, I have been told tears are the body's weapons against pain. Having never wept, I hope yours to be happy. So she's, you know, she was looking at the message. She's like, you know, it's the strangest thing. She's like, my son Gabe wants me to meet, you know, my granddaughter. He's like, all the monitors in the house lit up at once. All the new casts you know, broadcast my face, every classified valor accommodation, you know, so everyone knows like all the good stuff that she did. Worf shrugs, he's like, whoever leaked this information is an honorable maverick. And Rafi's like, and a dear friend. And he's like, be happy with your family. And she's like, and you continue to be a warrior for peace. And then he actually gives her a hug, which is, and he's just, at first he's kind of like, you know, because he doesn't do that. Deanna talks to Data, so he's he's been through a lot of emotion, and she's like, you know, oh, look at that. You know, we went over time by an hour again. So she gets up, but then he keeps talking, and he's, he's like, I saw an ensign feed a cat the other day, and I wept. He's like, it seems being human is almost as difficult as a desire to be human and infinitely more complex than I considered. Then he gets up, he apologizes, you know, for you know taking up all the time. And he's like, same time tomorrow? She's like, yeah. Then you know, Riker comes in and then they like, you know, hug or whatever. Then it cuts to a year later. It's like, what? So there's Space Museum, Picard, Riker, and Geordi, they stand on the Enterprise Bridge. They're marveling at you know, all the time she saved the world or you know, whatever, the galaxy. Geordi orders a computer to initiate shutdown procedure. Because, you know, they're going to put it back on display or lock it down or whatever. They walk out. And Picard tells Jordy, he's like, take good care of her. And Jordy's like, of course. After all, she's always taking good care of us. Picard and Crusher arrive at Space Dock. Jack's like pacing and like they're in a shuttle. And she says that she can't believe that he's actually nervous. And he's he denies being nervous. Picard's like, well, I was, you know, my first day of posting. Beverly says, you know, for Starfleet to put him on such an accelerated track, it's an honor. He's like, or nepotism. He's like, the the name probably helps. Picard's like, names mean almost nothing. You know, this is all you. He's like, I'm so proud of you. And Jack actually, you can tell that that, that meant something to him. Then Picard says to Jack, he's like, you never told us what ship you were posted to. 
And he's, he's like, well, why do you think I'm so nervous? He's like, it's for them. So we see it's the USS Titan. Uh, you know, that's what Picard says. And Jack's like, mm, not quite. So Beverly's like, you know, you, you have to excuse the subterfuge. She's like, we know you're averse to fanfare. And Jack's like, she's been, been rechristened in honor of you and your crew. So the, 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 the ship kind of pans up above it. It is now the NCC 1701G. And Jack's like, he goes up to him, like he's to, to Picard. He's like, names mean almost everything. He's like, welcome to the Enterprise, Admiral. And you can tell Picard is just like really overjoyed. So Jack walks on the bridge. He goes on. He's like, plot a course and readying the torpedoes. And he sits in a chair. And Seven's like, out. He's like, but it's so cozy. So Seven says, you know, or it turns out like Seven's number one is Raffi. And Seven tells Ensign LaForge, so Sydney's there, to just ignore everything that Jack just said. And she's like, I usually do. So I don't know if Jack and Sydney are, are dating or hooking up or if they will. Rafi says, she's like, I still can't believe Starfleet saw fit to give a thief, a pirate, and a spy their own ship. And then Jack asks Captain, he's like, where do you want me? She's like, comms? He's like, I speak 13 alien languages, tactical or science. You know, I've scienced my way out of a lot of situations. She's like, you'll be stationed here as my special counselor to, or a special counselor to the captain. So I was like right next to her. He's like surprised. And then she's like, sit. And then you hear, you know, one of the crews like, Captain Seven, we're prepared to warp, which sounds weird. Then Rafi's like, on your command, Captain. And then she's like, engage, make it so, take her out. She's like, there's a long history of it. Your first official act is, is captain in command. And you see Seven kind of goes like wide-eyed a little bit. And she's thinking, Jack's like, writing the opening line to your legacy. So then what'll it be? And then we see the ship from outside, you know, the ship goes to warp. We don't get to hear what she said. So that right there is like, are we going to get a spinoff show with Seven as a captain, with Raffi and with Jack and with with Sydney, and then we'll get to hear like what her make it so engage whatever is. Riker and Picard are sharing a drink. Um, Riker says he's afraid to say, it, but this must be the end of the road. So they're all in a bar. I don't know if they're in Guinan's bar because they they said that she was eyeing them that they're drinking all their stuff or whatever. So they're they're uh, the whole crew's there. So they're, they're saying that, you know, perhaps that they should go. Jordy says, he's like, one more, you know, one final toast. He's like, Data, why don't you do it? And Data's like, there was a young lady from Venus. And they're like, Data. He's like, well, I always wanted to finish that. So, but he's like, oh, the honor belongs to the captain. So Picard goes on. He does some quote about sailing the tides or blah, blah, blah. Them sailing with him and something like that. Then uh, Picard pulls out like a, a cart. He suggests that they, they play. So they're playing like poker or whatever. 25th century version of poker they have um it, it comes down to like picard and riker and then riker's like are you feeling lucky john luke and picard's like i've always felt the stars were in my favor and then you see he wins they all laughed he takes the, the pot and then he starts dealing another hand and then that's it the end but then there's an end credit scene jack's unpacking in his quarter and then a voice is like well, look at you, a chip off the old block. And then he turns around and he's like, Q, is that right? So Q's there. He's like, a simple name for a complicated being. And Jack's like, my father told me all about you. I thought you were dead. And Q's like, oh, and here I thought the next generation wouldn't think so linearly. He's like, young mortal, you have so much ahead of you. Jack's like, you told my father that humanity's trial was over. 
And Q's like, it is for him, but I'm here today because of you. You see, yours, Jack, has just begun. And then that's the end. So again, another hint. Are we going to get a spinoff? I don't know. So it, so it was good. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd be totally down. If, if, if this is a setup for a new show, I don't know how many Star I can't even keep track of how many, how many Star Trek shows are there. Are there just two other ones? Three? Eight? I don't know. Uh, is there room for more Star Trek? I mean, if people want it, if people are watching it, do as many Star Treks as, as you know, as the, the, the whatever can handle. So I, I would definitely continue watching with with Seven and Rafi and Jack and, and all that. So we'll see. But it, it was good. So it was a nice ending. You know, no one died because it's, it's, you know, you always do it. It's like, this is the end. This we, Death is, is realistic. We got to, you know, make it seem, you know, there, the stakes are high and there's repercussions. So someone's going to die. Someone's going to, we don't need that. You know, let have a happy ending. Let's make them, they're all happy at the bar playing cards. The end. Yay. They're happy. You know, when are they going to get together again? Probably not anytime soon, but it's, it was a good ending. So I'm okay with that. Okay, then Titans Season 4, Episode 9. Dude, where's my gar? <laughs> I love love that title. Uh, so silly. This was a weird episode. Um, it's it's kind of it's it's not filler, but it's like uh, meanwhile, you know, we, we got this all this you know, crazy stuff happening with the Titans, and then we take this segue. This is all just Gar. Where where has he been? So it starts off with Gar as a kid. He, his eyes are teary. He's at the zoo. This worker comes up and asks if he's okay. And she's like, I take care of the gorillas. And you know, she says, you know, what's your name? And she says her name, whatever. So then she tells him, she's like, well, just sit and watch them. Because she's like, do you like the animals or whatever? She's like, just sit and watch them. And then he like grabs her arm because he's like, I don't want to be alone. And she's like, well, you'll have to be, which seems like kind of weird. She's like, I have to make an announcement so we can locate your parents. And then, you know, she leaves. And then he's just sitting there, this gorilla grunts, and he looks at it. And then he um, starts getting, like, these red flashes, the animals getting experimented on, whatever. And then he's in the red. So, you know, this is what Gar Garfield's been doing. And in his voice, the closed caption says, Dominic calls his name. He hears, like, Rachel, he hears Dick. And then Dominic's like, yes, protector of the red, I have found you. So Gar wakes up lying on the ground. There's like a fire nearby, like a little you know campfire thing. Um, there's this kind of cave. There's torches around. There's this strange winged creature like growls at him. It's like fur but wings. And and then this dude comes out, Dominic, which I think is the guy that talked to him like before he disappeared. Um, uh, I, I forgot where he was at. And he, he like started talking to him like he knew him or something like that. So then um, he says that the, the creature is a a lion and a bat and then it goes out to like the edge of the cave and like flies away so dominic's like you like he's hungry and he goes you know he goes out to hunt so he asks gar he asks gar if he's hungry and gar's like who are you he's like where am i so this dominic dude says you are on top of mount kilimanjaro he's like i pulled you here out of the red and he's like the truth that is what and who i am and gar's like where are my friends like who are you I am like you, my friend. I am one with all beasts who breathe and bleed. I 
and your freedom. So then Gar like says kind of more to himself, you know, the last thing he remembers, he was he was with his friends, he was facing the end. Then he goes up to Dominic, he's he asks, like, what happened? And he's like, You did what I told you to do. You saved yourself. Then I brought you here. So he takes off his like helmet thing, like mask, and uh he's like Gar's like, Where are the Titans? And he's like, I do not know. He's like, You brought me here? He's like, Well, you can take me back. So the, this dude Dominic he keeps trying to get Gar guard to eat and he's like take me to red he's like take me to red and he's like why isn't it working and he's like you need your strength you are famished he's like I can feel it now eat eat what I offer you only you can find your way back to the red and Gar's like what exactly is the red it is a force that connects and pervades all animals life in this universe and many others so the multiverse going on he's like a place fully alive one that every beating heart flows into. Only a chosen, chosen few can tap into its raw powers. The green plague that killed your parents, also it changed you. And Gar's like, the disease didn't change me. It's like a lunatic called a chief did. Dr. Niles called her. He cured me of the green plague. He's like, I was its only survivor. And Dominic's like, I know. Sakuchia killed my family too. My sister and her children. And Gar, kind of, he's kind of speechless. He like sits and he's like, I'm sorry. And he's like, the outbreak took those we love most from us. That is why I brought you here. Our shared grief fuels us. And he takes, Sagar takes the food now. And he's like, I need your help. And he's like, listen, we all have problems these days. I'm sure yours are important. And if I can, if I can help you in the future, I will. But right now I need to get back to my friends. You have no idea the evil that we've been up against. Blood moon, curses, demons. I, it, it may be a matter of life and death that I get back to my friends, maybe for the entire world. Dominic's like, you do not yet know what truly threatens the world. So there's like some noise behind Gar. Then there's like a couple like smoke, like flash grenades drop off to go off. Men come shooting with assault rifle. So Gar jumps and like ducks behind some rocks. Dominic grabs his mask, you know, and then he's, he starts like fighting the soldiers. Gar growls and Dominic's like, no, stay. So he grabs the soldier Another one like shoots and uh, Dominic uses a soldier as like a shield. He hits the other guy. He goes like flying out of the cave. And then he like washes his hand like in his pond. Gar's like, who were those guys? And Dominic's like, men who do not belong in my domain. They knew I sought to end them. So they struck first. When I wear the helmet of the beast, I can hear the apes they took from the jungles screaming, rattling their cages. And we get like a flashback. We see that. They are infected now, dying, dissected while still alive. And then you, this doctor is like operating. He's like, put some tape over its mouth or shut it up for God's sake. So Dominic's like, I need to free the apes and burn their lab to the ground. The disease that killed my sister and her children, your parents and dozens of others, it came from the same lab. And Gar's like, what? It is finally time for us to get justice for our families. This is our sacred mission. And Gar's like, you know so much about me. He's like, are you going to tell me something about you? I was once Dominic Mandawe the day. So Dominic Mandawe, he was sort of Boana Beast, but he was like the successor to Boana Beast. It was like during Grant Morrison's Animal Man run. Um, he, he becomes Freedom Beast instead of Boana Beast because that's maybe Boana Beast is just kind of weird. I don't know. So he, he continues, like, but the day uh, Mike Maxwell gave me this helmet, there was only Freedom Beast. 
beyond tying me to the red. This ancient helm prolonged my lifespan. It gave me strength, stamina, and the ability to fuse two creatures into one super hybrid. And Gar's kind of like, weirdest power ever. The legend of the beast goes back as far as the story of Mukanre and Kanyanga or something like that. He shows them like some paintings on a wall. He's like, each one of us protected our time as best we could with the tools we were given. But you need no helmet. You are different from us, from Animal Man or Vixen or the others tied to the red. You can do more than them, Gar, than me. I brought you here to show you that, to free your mind from the cage society put it in. And Gar's like, if I'm more connected to the red than anybody else, why is it I can only turn into green animals? And Dominic's like, your favorite color is green, no? He's like, yeah, I mean, it's been that way ever since I was a kid. Your influence over the red is astounding. And he hands him like this pouch, like hanging on his necklace. He's like, drink this. Gar's like, what does it do? Does it make me grow or shrink? And he's like, a bit of both. It destroys you. See your truth. Stop this lab. And you will travel back through the red on your own moments. Now, let it begin. The fire goes out. The light goes up. And then he... Um, he has the helmet on. Guard drinks. He like, grunts. He sits. He's like, how long does it take to begin? Um, then there's a bunch of other guards that start like coming out like from behind him and like repeating re like what he keeps saying. He's like, walk. some are walking around kind of like all fours, like an animals and whatever. The red kind of shimmers and flickers around him. Then he's by that dream tree with the, with the bones hanging off of it that he kept seeing in his vision underneath the moon like early in the season. He hears Rachel like talking, then he starts gagging and he's back in a Titans RV. And Rachel's like, Earth the Gar. It's like, where are we going? He like stares at her. He's like, I don't know. She's like, Yes, you do. It's like you're in a driver's seat this time. And then you look and there's a gar driving. And he's like, No, he's like, Where's Dick? So then it's like, now that we're all here, how about some tunes? So the one driving, you know, said that. He's like, you've always, Rachel's like, you always follow everyone else, Gar. It's like, first your parents, then Dr. Calder, then Dick. It's time to stop following. And then the red starts flickering around him. Now he's back in the cave. Young Gar kind of runs by. Rachel's there. And she's like, you know, don't worry about us, Gar. And he's like, how can I not? You're my family. Then Dominic's there in like Rachel's place. Return to your breath. Go deeper. More red starts flickering around. And then Gar is in Star Labs. And he sees Jinx, and she's like in this different like weird costume, and and he's like, "Hey, am I dreaming?" And she's like, "Ugh, still asking the boring questions." I see. She's like, "Come on, Gar, are you awake or asleep? Why not both?" And it's softly, he's like, "Am I dead?" And she's like, mm, "No, but I am again." And then she like double bird, double middle fingers. Thank you, Titans. And she's like, well, "I mean, mostly dead." This isn't my first funeral or eve of resurrection, Gar. She's like, it's really important you understand this. Life isn't about the individual. It's not a single pool of water that evaporates. It's a collective. It's a river that flows forever. Our spirits mixing healthy or not as a whole, as one. Forget yourself and the Titans, Gar. This is all so much bigger. And then more flick red flickers around him. And then you, you, you hear, you know, life flows backwards and forwards. So he's back at the cave with Dominic. There's a bunch of others like behind him a bunch of other people he says all of us go into the red protectors of all life bound together across the universe space and time more red flickers around him and then gar's back at the zoo when he was a kid he's crying because he doesn't want to be alone he starts crying and, and he flickers back to the cave 
He's just like going all over the place. Dominic says that he knows it must be hard to realize that he is unlike anyone else on earth, that he is truly alone, but this is his path. Then he says that, you know, he's like, there are heartbeats. Can you hear them? And he kind of listens. He's like, yeah. He's like, good. Then we can go. Come. Our mission awaits. So then they're kind of like in this nearby town, I guess. They're driving. Uh, Dominic says that the Red is under attack now more than ever. It needs a champion. Gar asks about him, you know, being alone in the cave or whatever. And he's like, that is the mission, you know, because they are above such things, you know, so they don't have to worry about being with others. So now they're outside the lab and Gar says, it looks like it's closed. And Dominic's like, they do their worst work at night. So he asks Gar if he can hear them screaming inside. And Gar says that he can feel them too. And then Dominic says that the, the men inside profit off their pain. He's like, tonight the men inside are prey. He's like, the helmet demands their freedom. So they go inside. Some soldiers come up to him. They start fighting them off. Gar starts to get like outnumbered, turns into a giant gorilla. Then he turns into a hawk when they start shooting at him. Then he turns into a tiger so he can attack them. Gar busts down this door. This like, dude scientist. His name is Dr. Myers. He's like, who are you? He's like, this is a restricted area. And Gar's like, they're all dead. And he's like, not all of them. Um, Myers says, that, you know, he's like, you need to leave right now. And Dominic says that the ape on the table is going home. Meyer's like, she's not going anywhere. He's like, he's highly contagious. And Dominic's like, because of you. He's like, now go. And Myers says that they need to listen because it, it's carrying a mutant anthrax bacillus. And Gar's like, what did you do to her? And then the Meyer's like, so at first he's calling it, a, he, maybe Myers didn't know if it was a he or she, but then he's like, she is a test subject. So if they release this creature, then every other one it comes up to, it comes in contact with is in serious danger. It could spread across the continent in weeks. And Gengar whispers to Dominic, he's like, we, we can't take her out of here. And Meyer's like, that's right. It is dying right here on this table. Dominic moves and then Gar kind of stops him. And Dominic's like, I am the beast. He's like, and you are correct, Dr. Myers. This ape, my friend, she is going to die here, but you will die with her. He, he takes off Myers' hazmat, like headpiece helmet or whatever thing. He picks him up, puts him on, on top of the grill on the table. He's like, you are going to be together. He raises his hand and like red shimmer kind of goes over. So he's merging them together with his power. And Gar is like, was this his lab? And he's like, no, Dr. Myers works for someone else. So Gar goes into the back room. There's an officer. He sees a letter on a desk. He picks it up. It's signed by Dr. Niles Calder. And Dominic's like, it was his lab. And Gar's like, you knew all of this? And he just gives like a little nod. And, and he's like, he released Sekuchia on purpose. More red flicker run Gar. So now Gar, he's still in a lab with Dominic. And he's holding the letter still. But it's like older. It's like there's like webs and like dust and stuff like that. Gar's like, what happened? And Dominic's like, you have been in the red up until this very moment. He's like, what? Everything here already happened. I destroyed this lab years ago. Gar's like, w what has all this been? The cave, the men with guns, an illusion? And Dominic's like, an echo of the past to show you. And Gar's like, that the man who saved my life killed my mother and father? And many others, justified by his quest to unlock eternal life. Gar's like, what does immortality have to do with re-engineering a virus? And Dominic's like, mm, all life is tied to the red. Dr. Calder attempted to tap into it. He released the virus, knowing dozens would die, 
but he needed only one to live. Another test subject for his doom patrol. And Gar's like, well, why not just tell me about this? And Dominic's like, people in your life are never who you think they them to be. They can be destructive at worst, like Dr. Calder, or a distraction at best, like the Titans. You are so much more than their beast boy, Gar. You are the changeling, the true protector of the red, ready to release me from my duties. I have sought to you out for many years, and now you are here at last. And Gar's like, I'm leaving. He's like, no, you have a responsibility. And Gar's like, I know you've wasted my time. My friends' lives are in danger. Maybe the whole world. You have no idea the evil we're up against. He said all this already. And Dominic's like, protecting the red is your destiny. You know that, Gar. He's like, you saw it. You are meant to fight alone, to be alone. The avatar of the red is above family or friends. So it's like, you're, just, you're not selling it. He's like, you're going to do this, but you're going to be alone. It's like, oh, sign me up. So he's like, you have sought them out, but you cannot have them. Your role in this world is too great, too important. And Gar's like, stop. I speak only the truth, the truth you saw and see. I know how lonely a life of solitude is, but you must give your heart to it all. He's like, to the red and no one else. And Gar's like, the red is supposed to connect me to every single living creature on earth, right? Yes. Then how am I alone? But I'm connected to everybody on the planet. The red chose me to be its protector. Fine. I'm all in. I'll do it. But I will not abandon the people I love most. I'm going to save them now. And then we're going to save the world together. Dominic's like, you cannot traverse the red like this. Time and space. You are not ready. And Gar's like, for the first time in my life, I know I am. His eyes glow and then red flickers. And Dominic's like, wait. Gar lands on the ground. He's at the zoo. His younger self is crying with his hands over his ears. He's like, I don't want to be alone. Gar like looks around, goes up to him and kneels. He's like, no, he's like, you're not. You're going to find friends. You're going to find family. And they're going to love you as much as you love them, okay? He's like, you are never, ever going to be alone again. I promise. And he gives him a hug. And it's like the people around him like freeze. I don't know what, what's up with that. And then Gar's like, everything is going to be okay. And then red flickers around him. Back in the red, he's like just standing there. It's kind of like space. You know, he's just like floating in this nothingness. And he's like, I like green. And then his hand and body start shimmering with green energy. Dominic's voice repeats how it connects them all to animal life in this universe and others. Then you see like a red and gold streak zip spy. And then again, and he's like, zip, like turning around, like trying to see what it is. This kind of shimmer opens up and you see flash boots running. It's Grant Gustin, CW Flash, running down the street. Then Gar gets hit by like this random speed force lightning. He falls back. He lands in like reality. And then there's other pair of shoes lands. Camera pans up. And it's friggin' Stargirl. I got I got emotional seeing Courtney again, seeing Stargirl. She has her staff up and she's like, hello? This kind of like startles Gar. He's like, huh? And she's like, are you all right? And he whispers like, where am I? She's like, you're in Blue Valley, Nebraska? He's like, Nebraska? He's like, oh, North America. And she's like, yeah, you came from nowhere, just a light in the sky? She's like, I saw it. And then Cosmo starts like, her staff starts like pulling towards Gar. And she's like, oh, sorry. And she kind of chuckles. And she's like, do you need help? And Gar like laughs. He's like, I need to get to my family. And she's like, well, I know how important family is. And Gar's like, 
I get the sense that you do. It's like, I need to get to them. And she's like, where are they? And Gar's like, uh, good question. He like closes his eyes. He's like, take me to my family. And she's like, who are you talking to? And he's like, take me. And then red flicker. Then he's back in the red. He's like, he like kind of flies through this nothingness. There's like some animal chitter. Then this portal opens. You see Swamp Thing from the, the Swamp Thing show that I never watched. Um, then there's this whooshing noise. This other p- opens up. There's Shazam. Then this other shimmer opens up. It's Grant friggin' Morrison. And then he's like, I can see you. Do you see me? Grant Morrison says it. And Gar like waves to him. Then this other <laughs> other portal opens up. It's Teen Titans Go Beast Boy saying, Waffles, waffles, waffles. <laughs> then you hear Harley Quinn swearing and Joker laughing. And Dr. Fates talks. You hear Jonathan Kent saying, There's one thing I do know, son, that you are here for a reason. Gar's like starting to get like sensory overload, or whatever. You hear Joker say, Citizens of Gotham City, this is the Joker. <laughs> Dominic's like saying, Beast Boy. This other portal opens up and there's Dominic. He like, Bro nods at, at Gar, you know, gives him a nod. Gar nods back. Then energy surrounds Gar. He starts falling. He's like, take me to my family. He falls on the ground and he passes out. And then Doom Patrol Cyborg sees him. So from HBO Max, Doom Patrol. And he's like, Beast Boy. And he goes out, Cliff, guys, I think we have a problem. He's like, a big green one. Fudge. And then it's over. But there is an end credit scene. Cyborg has a couple waffles. He takes out a, a bite out of one with a big smile on his face. And that's it. <laughs> waffles, waffles, waffles. So that was uh, such a weird episode that you know we get all these random, just other other versions of uh, of everyone. <laughs> Uh, I I don't really know. I mean, it was it was cool in a way. Um, yeah, I mean, I absolutely love seeing Star Girl. I I didn't think we'd ever see Star Girl again because you know that show ended, and it's you know with with the because it, it's all Greg Berlanti productions, so that's why we get to CW Flash and everything. Seeing like Shazam was unexpected. Um, at, at first when we saw the Flash, I was like, is it gonna be Ezra Miller? You know, multiverse Flashpoint, but no, it's Grant Gustin, which which is cool, and um, yeah, it was just. I, I, it was just such a weird episode because it's like interrupting a story but yeah we have to see where's garb in all this time so so it, it was a, i guess it was a good episode you know whatever but it's just just kind of weird <laughs> and we got grant morrison there which was amazing if you've read animal man knowing how you know breaking the fourth wall and all that so that was a that was a weird episode and now the movie feature, the main feature is Evil Dead Rise. So as I mentioned earlier, big, huge Evil Dead fan. And it's, it's, it's weird to think of Evil Dead without Bruce Campbell, without Sam Raimi. It just, you know, it doesn't seem right. But it happens. You know, we had the, the earlier version. Was it... Um, was it 2013 is when that other one came out? Because that took me a while to watch. When that, that first came out, even though, you know, Sam Raimi, you know, had his blessings and you know, all, all that stuff like that, it just seemed weird 
like, oh, we got this reboot, and instead of Ash, we have a female, you know, gender swap or whatever. So I, I just avoided the movie for the longest time. I just never went to see it, and then it wasn't until I think it was like during COVID and everything when I, you know, we were just stuck at home, and, and I finally was like, okay, I'm gonna watch it, and I'm pretty sure. I talked about it in an episode of the Secret Podcast episode, and and I it, I liked it. It it was it was a, a fine movie. You know, I, sh- I should watch it again sometime. Uh, it, it, you know, I could appreciate for it for what it was that it was different, and it it kind of stood on its own for a bit. There's a lot of familiar elements, you know, because it's a group of you know young people at at the the cabin in the woods, you know, and then all the crap goes down, and then there's a lot of very similarities. So I, I think the main thing, you know, issues or concern I would have with that is that it was it was just too similar. It was like almost, you know, there's there's a lot of similarities. It was like too much. With Evil Dead Rise, it's it's de- definitely different. And uh, that's a good thing. While, you know, I want more Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi, all that stuff. If you're going to do it, you know, you, you can't just, just do the same thing over and over. You can't just try to make another copy, you know. So with this, this really kind of stands on its own. They're saying, okay, you know, we're, we're going to, we want to continue. We want to make this Evil Dead world, you know, franchise, do all this stuff. But let's do it a little differently. So the main thing, you know, if you watch, especially like Evil Dead 2 and, and, and Army of Darkness and the show... You know, there, there's a lot of like kind of wacky screwball Three Stooges comedy in there, mixed in with lots of blood and and you know, the dead rising and all that stuff. This movie doesn't go that route. It doesn't try to go to humor. Trying to do humor horror that that can be like a tricky thing because it could just too easily just become too absurd, and like the comedy doesn't always work. And then it's just kind of like, what, what are you trying to do? You know, but all those involved with these movies they and you know and whatever whether it's it's bruce campbell you know just his acting and and you know just doing taking on these roles it just it just really works and you know you i don't it's it's not something that and just anyone can do so the, the fact that these movies or this movie is a little darker a little more serious i think that that's a a, a great thing it starts off like in the woods there's like some stuff going on and in the beginning, it, it just kind of starts up, and it's like, what is going on? Because, you know, you get the... There's a little bit of tricks, whatever. Um, but you get, like, the thing approaching, whatever, and then, you know, stuff happens, and then things go down, and it's just like, oh, my gosh. Like, the first thing that happens, like, the first uh, um, kind of injury that someone sustains is kind of nasty in a way, but not, like, too grotesque or gratuitously gross. And it's just like, what's going on? But then it, it flips back to a day earlier. I think it was a, pretty sure it was a day. So the majority of the base of the movie is taking place in this apartment building. There's like kind of rundown apartment. Um, it, it, there's some stuff that happens before that. But I think that is great. The, the fact that we're out of the woods. You know, we see the woods. Is you got that recognition. You got that acknowledgement that that's the heart of, of the story. But now we're moving it out of there, which which is good because it helps it to stand on its own. So the the movie starts off, 
or the, not the movie, but this part starts off where um, this this lady Beth, she's a guitar technician for like this band or whatever. Um, uh, she decides there's some, there's some, one thing that comes up, which I guess I won't mention that. But she decides to go see her sister. Her sister has um, three kids, and she goes to you know visit them or whatever. And you, you find out that her sister's like husband left her. Or is not really there, so she's raising the kids on her own. And you also find out that the apartment building is like it's kind of running down or anything like that. They're they're gonna like demolish it or something like that. So they have to move out. She doesn't have a place, a new place or anything like that. So there's like all this stuff going on. And and Beth, uh, she was kind of unaware of this because she was kind of like self-absorbed in her her career and, and everything like that. So what ends up happening is the the book is discovered by someone and then you know it it there there's like also a record with it the the words get get spoken so this is a, a so one of uh Ellie um Beth's sister one of her kids is like into like DJing he finds this stuff he plays the he's like oh this is a record awesome he plays it which is cool in a way because there there's it's not like there's no way someone's going to translate this ancient text. And in the original Evil Dead, you know, there's an old reel to reel recording, which is, you know, who has one of those. So the fact that it's vinyl, vinyl's all the rage now. So it kind of works out that way. And then that unleashes the evilness, whatever. And then things go from there. And then it's just a matter if, I mean, you know, basically it's, if you've seen the trailer, you know, Ellie becomes possessed. She's going after her family. And it's just about survival in this apartment. And, you know, things happen where there's a storm going on. The power's out. Um, can, can you trust the elevator? Well, there's no power. How can you go in the elevator? And um, the stairs are gone. A spoiler with that. It's like, so they're stuck there. And there's only a couple other people on the floor. So it's just like, things just get really bad. And, you know, how do you fight off this weird thing? But this is a sister. No, it's not. Wait, what's going on? So there's just a lot of like weird things happening. And, and you know, there is plenty of violence and, and blood. And, uh, you know, it's just, it, it, it gets, it's creepy in a way because uh, this this actress that, that plays Ellie when she's like possessed, I mean, when she's, before she's even like fully like when she's about to turn like full on evil or whatever, it's just the way she kind of does it. It's just, it's, it's creepy in a way. I mean, she's so good. And, and then things just get really weird. Now, apart from that, you know, it, there are some other callbacks, like some little, I wouldn't call them Easter eggs, but you know, there, there's some certain, like they do say dead by dawn that comes up. Um, See, I don't. I don't want to give too many things away, but there is a an eyeball. Is if you've seen Evil Dead Two, you know there's something that happens, a flying eyeball that happens, and you know there's there's a couple other things. So it was nice. You know, it's a nice touch to put those things in there because then you know people who've watched other they're like, oh, there you go, there there's something there. But again, it's it's totally different, and uh, just kind of creepy things and and. Um, I just, I enjoyed it. I thought they did a good job. It's it's a yeah, it's just a, a weird movie and um but not in a bad way. Now the director, so Lee Cronin is is the, the director that they they found to do this. He um 
did this other movie, which I don't know if I talked about this on a secret podcast. Cause I remember when I saw it, I don't even remember how I came about watching this. I don't know if it was because of his involvement in when he was, I think that might've been it. Cause I, I don't think I discovered him on my own through other means. I think when this Evil Dead Rise movie was announced that Lee Cronin was directing it and, you know, they mentioned his, his whatever first, I think it was his first movie. Um, he's an Irish film writer and director and he did a, um, maybe, I don't think it was his first movie, but he did The Hole in the Ground. So you can, I think I, I, I might've bought it like on, on Amazon Prime, you know, you can get it digitally. And, uh, hole in the ground is it's like it's a weird freaky movie uh, about this mother and son and they they go in this they move in this old place and there's a, a little hole in the ground just like getting bigger and bigger and there's this weird thing with this lady in town and dead people whatever so it was it when when i saw that movie i was like okay this this is a weird creepy movie so that that's a good thing and you watch this movie there's some creepiness to it so if this is a way to kind of like revitalize, you know, go in a different directions, it's off to a good start because as again, as much as I love Bruce Campbell and the, the wackiness and all that, it, it's, you know, it's just, it's not going to work for everyone. So let's do like a serious, more kind of serious, you know, serious as you can get different take and, and go in a different direction. And I, th- I think it was just, it was, it was good. So um, I don't know if there's much else to say uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. It's at a 85% from the critics. It was in the nineties for, for a while. And then it just went down, of course, because, you know, some people not, it's not for everyone. Audience score is 83%. So it's, it's definitely, they, they do a good job with it. And I'm just so glad I got to see in a theater. I watched it in, in one of the, the quote unquote big, big screens at my theater and because uh, originally this was supposed to be like a H, H I'm pretty sure it was like going to be just a HBO Max released, but then when they restructure and everything like that, they're like, "Oh, let's put it in the theater." So I'm I'm glad they did that, just so I get to see it in a big screen because it, it it is cool to see. Again, is it necessary? No, necessary. But there's you know there's there's the the theatrical experience. Just you know there's something about that. So. It's not the movie a movie for everyone if you don't like gruesome horror, blood, you know, stuff like that. But it's it's uh, yeah, it was creepy and and it was entertaining if you're you're into this stuff. So I I enjoyed it. I do recommend it. Um and again, as a hardcore very cautious, very concerned Evil Dead fan, I I I can appreciate this because it's something different. It's not trying to be like the other ones. So while, you know, is it entirely original? It's, I mean, it's based off of the familiar characters and concepts. So, you know, you have that, but I, I do feel that it, it stands enough on its own. You know, it does enough things that are different to make it an interesting, like reinterpretation. I love cover songs. Yeah, I, I love a song that's like sounds very similar to the original. I love a cover song that, that takes on its own like different vibe or feel rather than just trying to do the same beat. So this is kind of like that where it's it's taking that, but it's it's just running in a different direction for the most part. But it's it's just it's getting to the end of the song in a different way, which makes it cool to just see how someone else interprets it.
So it was good. I feel like I'm losing my, I'm about to lose my, my, my voice now. So I think that is going to be it. There's not much more to say unless I start spoiling things and I don't want to do that because I want you to see it. I want you to support it. And, you know, I guess uh, they, they've been talking, you know, Sam Raimi and, the, and his brother, you know, saying they're going to try to do more like every like two or three years rather than like every 10 years or whatever. And I guess they're also supposed to be like writing like a big evil dead Bible, like to, to say like, you know, what, what are the rules? What can you do? What can't you do? And just, a, you know, they're not going to, Sam Raimi's not going to be super heavily involved because he's busy, but, you know, establish these guidelines and just to direct and control to make sure it doesn't go off the rails and just end up being bad. So that's a good thing. And if we get more, I'm, I'm all for it, you know, as long as they're done really well. So this was good. So hurrah. So with that, that is going to finally be the end of another episode. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken for being huge supporters. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I'm currently talking about John Burns. Fantastic Four from the 80s. Um, and sometimes talk about movies and other topics. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That is ko-fi.com slash heck. So what is going to be next week? Um, I don't know if there's anything opening next week. Um, there's a movie ghosted that was on Apple Plus with um, Ana de, de Armas. Is that how you say it? And uh, Chris Evans. Um, I could go with that. Um, I do also, I, I am curious to see uh, Bo is Afraid. Um I might maybe try, but that's like a, I think it's like a three hour movie. It's like, holy crap. So I don't, I don't know if I'll make it to the theater because I think like the flash and Superman Lois are back this week, but there's no, there's no, um, Mandalorian. There's no Picard. Maybe I'll try to see that. Cause I, I'm really, I really want to see that. I'm really curious to see. So we'll, we'll see. Um, so yeah, it might be, I don't know if I'll do ghosted maybe, or I think it was called ghosted. Um, cause I, I really like those, those two actors and, uh, yeah. And then, um, I also have, a all-star Superman, the animated it's out on 4k. So I don't know if maybe I'll get a chance to watch that and talk about that. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about the movie. It'll just be more, Oh, this looks really good or it looks the same. So I don't know, maybe if I get a chance to watch that too. Um, but other than that, yeah, so that's going to be it for this week. I hope you are doing well. Man, these weeks, it, it feels like boom, boom, boom. Time is flying, man. These I can't believe end of the week already, and now I'm already thinking about next week's episode. So I hope you're taking care of yourself. hope you're finding time to do fun things, cool things. I hope you're doing cool things for others, you know, trying to help someone else have a really cool day or life or whatever. So take care of yourself and just remember, be good to each other. 